Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, guys, welcome back to the Rich Shields Golf Show podcast, episode 211. In this week's episode, me and Guy sit down with a very, very interesting character. Recently retired, former European tour player for 20 years, Mr. Robert Rock. Now, Robert has had an incredible career on the European tour, winning multiple times, but it's a story that isn't like many up-and-coming tour professionals. It's quite unique how he almost fell into the world of professional golf. He's very, very unique. He didn't come from a golf background or golf family. He just kind of found his way. Hard work, dedication. We're going to talk about that in this podcast today. And we touch on Robert's career highlight beating not only Rory McIlroy, but also beating Tiger Woods. He was paired in the final group with Tiger Woods and beat him at a tour event. We talk about that in this podcast. It's fantastic. Honestly, it's filled with absolute gems. You'll really enjoy it. Whether you are an up-and-coming professional golfer, whether you are someone who finds golf tricky and challenging, you are going to love this podcast. It's a long one as well. So sit back, enjoy this very relaxed but detailed chat with former tour professional, now retired tour professional, Robert Rock. So Robert, thank you for joining us on the podcast. It's a pleasure. Sorry it took me so long to organise myself. But, uh, <laughs> it yeah. was, I think it was only an hour delayed reply on Twitter, which I think, an, an hour, sorry, a year. <laughs> a year? <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. I think I might have met yeah. you in 2022, but anyway. No, I'm <laughs> joking, you're a busy man and you're here now, so thank you very much for making the journey and uh, coming up. Thank you, thanks for having me on. Um, I'm, I am so excited and intrigued uh, to chat with you and just to dive into mm. your career what you've achieved over your golf career and okay. also that won't take long <laughs> <laughs> you say that but yeah you've had an incredible career and, and also what's what's next we spoke on the phone uh last week just as we were setting this podcast up and i was saying what is next and you were like you know what i'm probably going to need the weekend to have a little think about that so save that answer later in the podcast robert because okay. i'm so intrigued to find out what is next for you but 
I kind of want to rewind time a little bit and kind of work out where did it all start? Like, where did you love for golf kick off and where did it start? Well, I think it probably probably began from not being good at football, not being in the teams. Sounds right? relatable. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds relatable again. Yeah, so that's that's most lads' first first effort, isn't mm-hmm. it? And then I started playing snooker a lot. Okay. Loved snooker. Um, only on a small table. So we're probably talking when I'm 10 or 11. Played a lot of snooker, watched a lot of snooker, got snooker books, tried to learn how to be good at that. Um, and then got decent on a small table. Right. And then tried it on a big table when I was that age. And that just demoralized <laughs> me instantly because it's just so much bigger and so much harder. Mm. It's like going from a mini golf course to a championship yeah, golf yeah, course. And couldn't, I couldn't reach anything either. So everything was just difficult. I thought, this is this is hard. And then a similar time, there was a, a family near me that played golf and they practiced a bit of golf on the football field that was opposite our house. Um, we had a couple of clubs in the shed that were really old. I forget what they were, but they're dreadful things. I didn't even know the difference at the time. I think we had a nine maybe a four or a three and I yeah. don't know which one was supposed to go further <laughs> okay right. one of them might have been a put I think one of so, them was a putter so actually. You, didn't, you didn't come from a golf family no no not at all no no uh for not not a sporty family either really so I I just started golf on this field um and then realized it was something outdoors that I could do on my own which was a bit different to snooker and with football I probably looking back I probably could have practiced football on my own but I didn't no and then golf kind of got me a little bit interested just on a football pitch and then they took me to the local nine hole course which was a power station um played that and where was this well this is in rugely okay um which is where i still live but they've um that course doesn't exist anymore the power station's gone and well, it probably does still loosely exist but <laughs> they haven't rebuilt it yet so went from there got to a lowish handicap but that was only on a mostly par threes, a couple of par fours, but mostly par three course. Um, I think then I joined proper club at 13, which I think was the age where that was the only age where you could join. Right. You couldn't do it. You couldn't join any earlier. No. Seems to have changed a lot that in the recent years. Cause I remember even when I was growing up, I, I joined at eight, which was right. at the time I was the youngest member by a mile and they made an exception for me. Correct. Cause you were so talented. I was very talented. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but then, yeah, I mean, that was like the, the late nineties, but yeah, it, it feels like now you see juniors who are knee high, who are joining golf, which is great to see, but it does feel like it's changed a yeah. lot. Uh, rightly so. I mean, 13, you, you, you're busy enough to, yeah. To, to be a member at a mm, golf club, you want, you're playing football from, well, kids are playing football from very young now, aren't they? Um, and they probably were back then. But um, yeah, there was a missing bit of time where we were just playing Muni courses and this course at the power station and just trying to find places that would let you play. And did, and from that age, from that early age, yeah. was, there, was there talent there? Like, was did you did you shine through or was that something you really had to work hard on? No, I, don't, I, wasn't, I wasn't any good. I think my first my first 18 holes round a proper course, um, having already played a little bit, was 127. Okay. Right? So that's pretty bad. Well, right? I think you're going to give a lot of people out there a lot of help. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. It, it just, I, I think golf's... 
golf it's just something you can learn right? i wouldn't i wasn't not talented at any other sports really i'm not one of those kids that would pick up tennis racket and be good at that or yeah. i just wasn't you had, a, you had a, a bit of a glimpse of snooker but once you got to the full table you struggled and then yeah. you got into golf and and you worked hard at it and then yeah. when did when did you kind of really start to notice or when did other people start to notice oh actually you know little robert's got got something going on here what age were you at that point or was it was it still never determined like what what you know what, what was that light bulb moment i don't i don't think i had one of those um some of the members at the club that i joined said i would say that oh, robert's got a nice looking swing yeah that's because i was only tiny most kids swings look all right that size yeah right so mm. and it's from 18 20 plus handicappers commenting on your swing so that doesn't really mean no. much although at the time it probably made me think that okay i'm, I'm maybe i'm all right at this um but looking back that meant nothing it sounds like such a similar story to yeah, mine it, like i think probably a lot of kids who have a decent swing and you get you know you go and play with a with a few older members oh god doesn't he swing it well what the yeah. hell he's gonna make it one day and suddenly that that little statement just puts that fire in your belly that just kind of all right maybe i maybe i've got something you know yeah yeah and i think that's nice but in reality i think on my junior tour i've got 100 plus kids right they all look like they swing good yeah <laughs> right when they grow a little bit those are when the little <laughs> funny little pieces start showing up yeah um so and then it, when obviously you didn't come from a golfing background you you were kind of enjoying golf but not fully fully into it just yet were you, were you having coaching at that time was no no um coaching wasn't wasn't really a thing i've ever ever had um when i got a little bit older i was the the pros at the club were really quite helpful. Yeah. So the the head pro and the assistants, because um, I was there so much, they would offer little bits, and I'd probably hang around too much in the shop, right? <laughs> right. Trying to get relatable. Relatable. Yeah. <laughs> trying to trying to get little bits of insight to it, and the, and then I I caddied for a couple of the assistant pros in competitions. I think I probably learned from that, but couldn't really afford to have lessons at that point. And who were you kind of golf heroes then? Were you, were you looking to kind of Jack Nicholas, Greg Norman, Nick Faldo? You know, who, who were kind of the areas that? Who were I the, had mountains and mountains of golf magazines, right? It was the one thing I did do. I had, I think I had every copy of, which would have been Today's Golfer, Golf Monthly, Golf World, Golf Illustrated. There's another one I'm forgetting. But from 88 or 89 through to probably 90 two or three every copy just <laughs> oh my stacked god up. yeah and that's and it, where my that's where my coaching come from and it sounds obviously that was quite a similar story with your snooker as well you had mountains of books so is that is that something you've always been kind of a, a, a very visual learner from or a learner from reading through books and kind of learning your golf swing that way I think it was the only option. The only well, option I before had. YouTube, wasn't it? Yeah, right. I'd, I'd have been constantly on YouTube. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, I go on YouTube now to to learn how to fix stuff. Yeah. Right. So I'm trying to do a DIY project or something for my car or whatever. YouTube's brilliant. Oh for yeah. That. So, but if if the content we got now on YouTube was available to me when I was fourteen to eighteen, I think that would have been you'd have completed priceless. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whether you would have become a 
tore pro from it. Who knows what we'd like to think you would have done. But then obviously from that journey then through, you know, being a, a young kid, enjoying your golf, getting into it, showing a bit more promise, kind of when, when did you realise, right, this is actually what I want to do as a job? Once I realised that the assistant pros at the club were, uh, well, had started the PGA at a, I think it was probably five or less handicap. And I got close to that when I was 14 or 15. I think I was I was in single figures. So you, you threw from starting at 13, remember a club from 13, your yeah. handicap came down really quick. Came down quick. pretty quick, yeah. Um, playing, playing quite a lot. I got stuck on, I remember I got stuck on a five handicap for over a year. And I thought, is this it? Is this where I've, is that my limit? Yeah. And it felt really difficult. I hadn't broken par. Um, I was at a course where there was, I think there was a scratch or a one handicapper, but nobody was really shooting under par around this course very often. Maybe, I think the course record might have been one or two under, but I hadn't done that. Um, so I thought, have I reached my, mm. reached my limit at five? And it's a bit, it's a bit gutting that because yeah. I'd, I'd tried really hard. And then when I finished, when I finished GCSEs and I started, I think I had a six month spell where I played it almost every day. Yeah. Then I got down quite a bit. But it was when I got to five, basically, I realised I could start the PGA. And um, I got a copy of the PGA training manual at the time, which was like one folder full. So I thought, I can learn that. Yeah. Um, I've, I've got about 100 magazines. Oh, magazines. <laughs> I, can learn, yeah. I can learn this one manual, no bother. Um, so that, that was when I realised that was probably going to be my job at in some form, because I figured I could already do that. Mm-hmm. So you went through your PGA training. Yeah. You completed your PGA training. Yeah. There's not many PGA pros. I mean, I'm a PGA pro yeah. yourself. Ian Poulter, I yeah. believe. There's not many PGA pros that actually made it out onto tour, is there really? No, because it's it's tricky. Um, one of the unfortunate parts of the of the job is you take a job at a golf course thinking, right, I'm in golf now. I'm going to play, play golf every day. And, you, and your enthusiasm for golf just drops off the face of the earth. Yeah. Um, and mine certainly did. I was at a place where I was working, well, just your, new, uh, your normal shop hours, but starting really early because it was a busy place. And then when you finished, you, you didn't want to hang around no. there. But you weren't a member anywhere else, so you didn't have any options because other clubs wouldn't take PGA, pro. wouldn't yeah. take a pro as a member. So you're stuck, right? You, you either went out, which we occasionally did with a mate. We would, when we, our days off coincided, we went away somewhere else to play. Um, but that's not enough, really, is it, to be a, not really. a really good player. So um, luckily I got fired from there. <laughs> and, I, and I became I'm a, guessing we're not asking why. Yeah, it's, it's no bother now. It's it's, um, it's part of my story. It's actually probably the best thing that ever happened to Go me. Go on, then. How did you get fired? So part of my PGA training, um, the first year's course, we the residential at the Belfry, and, and the PGA officials made the mistake of saying, Right, lads, you're allowed in the hotel bar, but sorry, you're allowed in the Bel Air. Yeah, they've just knocked down. I know, say, yeah. gutted. It's a shame, isn't it? Uh, you're allowed in the Bel Air, but do not go in the hotel bar afterwards. Okay, so that's where we went. <laughs> that doesn't. That sounds the wrong way around. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Go in the nightclub that's open till two o'clock in the morning, <laughs> yeah. but don't go in the bar. Don't go in the hotel bar and annoy the residents. Yeah, basically. But we did, um, and we got we got followed out of the the hotel to our little little rooms at the back yeah. and I stupidly got in my room but then turned the light on oh. so they knew who I was and what room I was in and oh. then I knock on the door in the morning and I was still a bit hungover to be fair and um, 
yeah, I got kicked off that free year, <laughs> which was the end of the job at the time. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so why so was it the best took thing? an extra year that it should have done. And why was that the best thing? Because you could practice more? Cause because I, you- yeah, because I got fired from that place and was um, in a bit of limbo. And then the a local driving range uh, took me on as a self-employed golf coach. Yeah. And then that was a bit of a, bit of a, uh, it felt like a brave move at the time. So I'd gone from being just having my first job, basically mm-hmm. getting salaried to then now I'm self-employed. Right? Yeah. Of course. Like, what do you do there? Yeah. Right. You know, all you think about is how do you do your tax? Right. And, um, that really scared me to start with, but it's not that scary once you get going, is it? No, right? no, I, I, similar. I, I did the, I mean, I was lucky not to be banned from the PJ. <laughs> I just spent far too many nights in the Bel Air nightclub and doing silly things as you do. Yeah, but I mean, it's part of the week. you are literally there for a week's residential, and on site you've got everything that you'd ever want. You've got bars that are that are just, I mean, expensive bars, but yeah. bars that are, are full of of either corporate dues or staff nights out yeah. or whatever else. It's always busy. Yeah. You've then got easy access to, to a nightclub which is only small but often in the week it's way too busy yeah like why yeah. is it that busy on a tuesday night <laughs> it was God a place knows. to go that was that's what i mean yeah. but it was so mm. random because it's in the middle of nowhere so, and then you you were that's open till two three o'clock in the morning you're supposed to be in lectures at nine o'clock the next morning and all everyone knows what you're doing so it's like a dream golf holiday for an assistant pro it really it's is isn't it Why <laughs> yeah. you don't really play any golf no you don't <laughs> any to, shots do you no, that week no. you have to sit in lectures and listen yeah. but anyway um with with you then yeah I, mean, I was a pj pro in a golf shop i then took the leap and became a, a f- um, self-employed golf coach at a driving range and you're right at first it's like christ i've got to now fill my own diary i've got to be busier every hour then at work you've got to be making money yeah I suppose for you on the plus side then did it allow you to play more tournaments did you then compete a little bit more on pj events kind of i'm guessing because at the moment none of this sounds like you, you weren't out there winning tournaments you weren't nah, off plus, plus three handicap it wasn't it wasn't given to you from what i'm seeing no i got down to scratch at the previous place because it was an easy course right compared to where i've been a member this place was because it was a busy not quite a muni course but a busy corporate club that was quite flat quite straightforward and i got a little bit better um but i i got used to shooting under par around that course um, but i couldn't do it in assistance events in pro-ams or in our midland order of merit events i had a really good pro head pro there in richard o'hanlon who was a really really good money making pro right he had every base he would every base covered he would teach loads he always had sponsors he would always make money in pro-ams uh he'd always play well in tournaments um didn't seem to play that much in practice right but he would go out for playing lessons and he would keep himself ticking over like that and he he would take the piss at me basically about I could hit it further than him at the time, um, but I couldn't shoot a score that brought in any money, right? right. So he was beating you? He would beat me every time, right? He would shoot one, two, three under par every time he went out for a pro-am. I would shoot somewhere under 80, right? Yeah. Um, come home with nothing. I'm quite happy that I've had a day out playing. Yeah. Playing my, <laughs> but it's, my tournament. But it's cost you money. It's cost me money, yeah. So he's like, why are you doing it? Right, it doesn't make any sense. So you've got to start shooting under par if you're going to go and do these things. And he was dead right. Mm. Um, so that little bit of pressure from him. And then when I went to the, the driving range to teach, um, first of all, it was like the panic of making sure I would have enough lessons to actually pay my bills. Of course. But then you start to organise your days a bit better. So 
rather than have um, two or three lessons in the morning and then two in the evening or I would try and block my days out where I would teach in certain times and then know that I could fully focus on my practice yeah. in the afternoon because switching between the two was quite difficult, I found, to start with. I can do it now. But when I was when I was learning to be a coach and a player, the thoughts would be racing through my head all the time about what I'd just done, what I'm about to do, and I and I didn't find that very easy. Um, so I I would block days out to play, block days out to play tournaments, block half days out to practice, and I'd either get there really early to practice or I'd stay really late. So you put the ground in? Like, yeah, I did. I hit I hit well over a million balls of that driving range. Honestly. Yeah, I would hit. Oh, so you never you never count them up when you're doing no. them, do you? But because I just had well, free. I, we don't know, but yeah, <laughs> just had free access to the big, the big bin of golf balls, yeah. right? And a large basket would have probably just over a hundred in, and just constantly filling it up. What would you? How many? What was your record? You reckon in a day? How many baskets do you think you would have gone through? Double figures. Oh, easy, easy. Did that most days. So like a thousand balls a day comfortably. I would have thought so, yeah, until I started getting a bit more particular about how I practiced. Yeah. Wow. Um, but yeah, I just did, just did loads. And and why? I know it sounds like a, a, a daft question now, but it's like, at that point, what, what was the why? Was it, did you start to think, no, you know what? I am better than just shooting a few under par rounds at pro-ams. Or was that still the main motivation? Like, what was the why at that point? Why were you hitting so many golf balls? That's a good question, actually. Um, like, did you have did you have grand grand ambitions no. to being a tour pro? No, no, no. Not like not when all. you when all of your story so far up until at what age were you at the driving range? I was nineteen. So up until yeah. about 19, 19 ish Yeah, no, probably twenty. Probably it doesn't 20. to me sound like there was any ambition on playing no, on tour no, at all. And the fact you played on tour for for nineteen years of your life, yeah. What the, what the hell? <laughs> it doesn't how, how, how did, like, doesn't suddenly, because a lot of tour pros, you, you hear, like, tour pros now, when you speak to them, it's like, it, they were destined to do that from the age of 12. Yeah. Like, they were always yeah. going to be tour pros. And if, if they're not, it's more of a surprise. Yeah. Your story sounds like it's the opposite way around. Almost everything geared towards you not really ever being a tour pro. Yet, at 19, 20, you're hitting a thousand golf balls a day to maybe pick up a bit of prize money in pro-ams. Yeah. That was really the main motivation. I, want, I wanted golf to be my job. I wanted it to pay me enough money so that it was actually a legitimate job and I could carry on doing it. Um, I think you'd achieve that, right? In the end, <laughs> it was, in the end, it was all right. But at that point, all I wanted was, like, you want to be able to buy a house. Yeah. So I needed to somehow get enough money for a deposit and know that I could actually pay and contribute to my monthly bills. I wanted a car. Um. I didn't have, I've never really been into that sort of, never really into earning a lot of money, but I just wanted that to be my job. Um, but all I, I think I was just trying to get, just trying to get better and just make sure that when I did go and play that once or twice a week in a pro-am that I would come back with the, the two, three, four hundred good check. Because the first place was probably four or five hundred quid in each of them. Um, so, but to have a day off coaching of course, and to spend some money going there and doing it, you've got to come back with 100 quid, otherwise you might as well not bother. I suppose with what you're saying, though, it kind of sounds like it's almost the more 
natural or organic way of getting there because you see these kids now and it's the you know the, the path that most of these guys take you go to college in America they're playing these yeah. tournaments from being so small it's so competitive so serious you see a lot of the pushy parents on the sidelines and stuff and it's like Rick it's all all this destination to get into the tour but what you've done is actually almost like the, the natural way of, of just getting better at golf and then getting to where you got to it's it's almost yeah. a simple way, but it, then it almost seems that it's probably what would have happened back in the day. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it like, is really because it wasn't it wasn't about winning big competitions for me because I wasn't playing in them. Right, I didn't get to play in the. I got to play in some of the like English boys stuff. I remember playing the McGregor Trophy and the Caris Trophy, but I never. I think I played the British boys once, but I didn't play the English amateur or the British amateur or anything like that because I wasn't good enough to get in those. But bear in mind, when I played in the, the the boys' championships, I'm getting beat by Justin Rose, Paul Casey, Luke Donald, yeah. um, Simon Dyson, um, who else? Like, there was there was nearly a dozen guys that... Now were, were household names. Were way better than me, but I didn't know some of those were going to be world number one. Of course. Right? Yeah. I just knew that they were, the, they were better than me, and I'm just playing down the road. Yeah. And then you try and sort of... Um, expand that out to a world basis you think i'm nowhere here right so this is not realistic these guys are just miles better than me so i've got a lot of catching up to do and um i just kind of balls yeah just kept i wrote that part off really and just thought let's just see how good i can get and hopefully i can win some money was part of that as well not only to, to win money to pay mortgages but like you almost thought as a coach it looked good if you were doing okay in these programs would that then get yes, you more clients as well Absolutely, that's something I was I was taught early on that playing golf well as a golf pro is the best thing you can do, mm. right? And and I still still believe that, and I still I still practice and play um, enough to keep my game ticking over, so that if I do get invited to something and I do want to go and play, yeah, I can still shoot proper score. Yeah, I I still want to be able to hit the ball like people expect me to hit the ball. I don't want to be a disappointment. That that's uh, yeah, and and it's funny because. When I so when, when I was an assistant pro working in a pro shop, I was kind of off three four handicap and did my PGA training this that and the other. I don't ever think in hindsight now when I even just listen to your story, I never probably had that real. Um, I never had a head pro I worked under who was competitive at local events. Yes, yeah. I always worked for golf professionals who earned a lot of money coaching. Yeah, yeah. and that's all they did. Yeah. So even when I first w- moved to the driving range my mindset and all the pros at the driving range nobody played professional golf yeah we coached 60 hours a week yeah and and that was almost the world i lived in i'm not saying it was right or wrong does it depend on what type of client you're after though i guess if you're working at trafford golf center and you're looking for someone that you should never hit a golf ball they would you're you're off four or turn pro four so you they're amazing but if you're looking at coaching guys who are looking at getting on tour potentially but my other thing was if i don't play in these tournaments they actually don't know how good or bad i am yeah, yeah. <laughs> in it's some true. sense people don't look though that these tournaments no, no. you're playing in they aren't big tournaments right they don't exactly. have any f- real following so no one knows whether you're doing any good or not you but know, I, if i if i went and played in the tour it was like I, almost me playing in tournaments not practicing not not hitting a thousand golf balls a day but coaching 12 hours a day i was like i was in the grind of coaching yeah. coaching coaching like i loved all of that side of things um for me, I, I remember seeing on social media, I won't name names, but I remember seeing a, a pro who was 
who's trying to make it on tour and they, they picked up a check at some event, some local event, and they put this big the picture on Facebook of this check that they were holding. And I was looking and going, I made more than that in, before lunch. Yeah. So I'd, 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 coached, <laughs> yeah. I'd coached eight hours yeah. before lunch. Yeah, I've made more do, money yeah. than, yeah, than yeah, that. Yeah. And you've had to go out and play three rounds of really good golf yeah. to win yeah. that money. So yeah. my certainly my mindset was very different in that. But I, but I do think just just seeing i'm seeing a lot of similarities and, and it's fascinating i'm loving i'm loving this chart it's almost like I, I think if there was a pushy pro that was like no you've got to shoot you've got yeah. if you're going to work for me you've yeah. got to go out there and shoot but he 60s. embarrassed me into it yeah mm. we have a random question for you both of you then with you obviously you've both been golf coaches some i've been listening recently to the um alan shipnut book the, the phil nicholson book right. yeah and how as a child growing up he actually if Mickelson had a, a short game area in his backyard and would spend all day chipping hitting balls over the house and people often say Mickelson has got the best natural short game but actually it's been taught it's been hit over millions of balls and with what you're saying as well Robert you've probably literally hit millions of golf balls and, and off the back of that I've had a very very successful career might see a silly question but is anybody naturally talented at golf? Is it ever actually a thing? Um, or is everybody actually, we say that about, it's a little bit of a cop-out. Like Tiger was hitting golf balls before he could almost walk. So is Tiger naturally good at golf? Is anybody natural? I'll come in very quickly for what Robert does here. I remember seeing a few students that would come in through the door and, and I'd say to him, do you play much golf? And like, no, I've never played golf ever in my life. And it's like, all right, great. Do you play other sports? Oh yeah, I'm, I play in the local football team. I do this, I do that and do, do the other. And you're all like, oh, great. And, and you could just tell by the, the way they move the body or whatever and you'd get them hitting a few shots. And you literally ask the question again and go, you've never played golf in your life? And they go, no. And they're ripping seven irons, 170 yeah. yards and dead straight. And the swing just looks like it's been taught from five years old. I'm, I'm not saying that that guy continues to go out on the golf course and shoot under mm. par, but you def, I've seen in, in my coaching experience people who are just naturally able to move a golf club. On the flip side, I've also seen people who are naturally unable at all to mm. move a golf club in, in any manner whatsoever and that's yeah. not yeah, yeah. that is just yeah. what you what you see you yeah. going why, why only, is your arm yeah. doing that movement mm. i've never seen that before i don't know if you've seen it a bit more either in coaching or out on tour yeah. i bet you've seen golfers and, and you'll experience this on tour i bet there's guys out there who are grinding and grinding and grinding and hitting thousands of golf balls like yourself like vj singh like alex noran and people are like i bet it's the other players who hardly hit any practice balls at all and can yeah. still compete yeah, there's, I think there's there's extremes for both, but I, like you say, I've seen both in a in a beginner environment where mm. golf seems really really difficult, complicated to some people, and it is, um, and then some that just hit the ball on their first go, and you think you'd be all right if you just played, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe don't need too many lessons off me, just go and learn how to play golf, and then when you get to the tour, or or any high level competition. Some some people are really talented for the competition part of it, right? Some have just got a knack of competing where it's just they they desperately need to, to win and have to win. I never had that part. I wish I had that. Can that be taught? I don't think so. No. No, because I, I think I, you need that. Was part of that then because you were almost, I don't want to say content, because obviously you had an unbelievable career, but because you probably could never believe those days hitting balls in the range, you would be a tour pro on the European tour for so long and playing in major championships. Were you almost happy to be there in a sense, where yeah, someone like yeah. a tiger? Oh, absolutely. I'd, I'd overachieved getting on there, right? <laughs> and then had to readjust and, and try and strive for more just to make sure I stayed there. Mm. Whereas if you're really good at 
14 or 15 or younger than that and you're used to winning national competitions, you've got a right to start to think that you're brilliant at golf, right? And you shouldn't get beat by many people. Um, I, I never had that. I only started to feel like that once I realised I'd got my game really good and people were watching me at balls on the range sometimes. And sometimes my fellow pros were watching me and I thought, right, I need to start making something of this otherwise I've wasted my effort. But, but what's unique with your story as well, it's probably there'll be loads of guys out there who have grown up being decent, gone and been a, a pro at a range, hit balls, hit a lot of balls, got a tour card for a year and then fell off the tour because they couldn't make any money. But your story is different in the sense that you were there for, what, 19, 20 years with wins as well and playing in major championships. There must have been something in you that was driving you to keep getting better because you wouldn't have stayed at that level, surely? No, I was, I was weird in a way that... Um, I overachieved to get on there and I surprised myself by getting on the tour because I didn't do it through the tour school or the challenge tour, which was um, a bit random because like, people that get their cards from invites like I did are generally Tiger Woods or Sergio or R yeah. Rory or like the superstars that get invited from playing um, either high-ranking amateur events or coming out of... American colleges or something yeah. as, or, or well connected yeah, potentially yeah. with sponsors and then they make use of that because they're actually too good and they getting a card out of five or six events isn't that hard if you're that good yeah. right you should end up doing that so it's kind of a a natural progression if you're I mean Tiger got his status up by winning in his first few events didn't he yeah. and I think I think Rory I forget how Rory did it um, but it was similar right but I got my opportunity through winning pro-ams right and winning the the order of merit events that we had in the midlands and that as a courtesy to to pga pros offered invites into um the tour events that came to your region right which doesn't really doesn't really stand anymore because the places are in demand too much and um just the golf the golf pro market is full up with with pros wanting to play in tournaments where I got I got invites and I did well and I got on the tour but I wasn't quite good enough because I hadn't played any four round tournaments did you play pro-ams I played pro-ams right I was good at playing you, you, a different you, course every day you could have played three three other amateurs <laughs> yeah. I was not used to it I was I was a I was a pro in my sense but as far as a touring pros sense I was a real real um real beginner and I didn't know how to put four rounds together. Because not only do you have to do four rounds, you're now playing with, serious note, you're actually playing with tour professionals yeah. in every group, yeah. where obviously your pro-am years, were you always with the same amateur threes or did you just mix for, it around? No, for a lot of the time I was with a, a the group that were, that were really good to me actually. They entered lots of these pro-ams, but they had a, a squad of friends that, that they rotated oh, nice. and played and all they wanted of me and it was genius in a way right because they had a they had a, uh, a squad of like five or six players every man's job was to make five birdies okay right either net birdies or me yeah. to make five birdies right they didn't care what i shot they were not interested no, because your individual score doesn't, doesn't matter make any them. difference to them no they don't care they don't know sometimes right they wanted every man on the squad to contribute five net birdies right and they were prepared to let me do my thing and let me walk on my own and do whatever i wanted to do as long as i as long as i got my five birdies right? oh my god and and if if one of their mates didn't they were they were subbed wow right wow. so it was, pretty it was tough it was brilliant though because we won loads of them and I the people thought we were 
like I'm, I'm assuming people thought oh, we yeah. were sort of a bit of a dodgy team, but it was it was it was just good golf. They were decent handicappers, um, and I shot some good scores. And you played pretty well. And I played pretty well. But, but yeah. surely as well, going from what I imagine a fairly local event, so then travelling around Europe, there's that another massive step up there as well. Yeah. That was difficult. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Like you, suddenly you, you're booking your own flights, I'm guessing. Yeah. Or did you, were you signed with the management team then? No, not at the start. I had a friend that was helping me book stuff and um, he would come with me sometimes. Um, one of the pros, uh, one of the assistant pros that I got on with, he was obviously now, he was then a head pro, but he took time off and came to caddy for me. Right. He, he caddied for me during my invites where we did well. So I'm guessing you didn't have a caddy for programs, did you? No, no, it's trolley. Right? Yeah. <laughs> There's something quite romantic about it. Of course, they're like pulling a t- pulling so you, the trolley. And so we, we learned what the what the caddy's involvement was, which is massive, right? You, you learned that in a real-life situation almost yeah, yeah, in tournaments. Yeah, yeah. We, we were finding out our pitfalls as we're going round and realising what the great players and caddies are doing. Um I didn't even have a set of yardages that I knew that I hit, hit my irons, right, until... Um, you need to make a bloody film about this. <laughs> Is this 2003 now we're talking? Is that, was that yeah. your first yeah, proper two, film? Yeah, 2003. This could be the next Rocky film. Rocky? <laughs> Rocky, but with the It sounds like it's an odd story, isn't it? But we... My first... Because my, my first year in 2003 was... I played at the Belfry, I played at Wentworth, I played at Celtic Manor. Play the Forest of Arden, right? These were places I knew, apart from Wentworth. I didn't know Wentworth, but Wentworth have always been cool with me. And they, when I found out I was playing Wentworth in the PGA, I was allowed to go for a practice round yeah. before, way beforehand. So I did my homework for these events, right? I know, looking back, I was really proud that I did that. I mean, even to the point where I plot, even though I've been to the Belfry loads of times and the Forest of Arden, but I plotted different routes so that I wouldn't panic Wow. on the week of the tour just in case it was busy and I didn't know what I was doing and I and I was trying to find um, the place in time which do you mean routes to get to the to golf routes course to get there yeah oh, wow. right. now have you seen this morning I'm always early it was, right? it was an hour <laughs> early this morning yeah. <laughs> I am never ever ever late I've never missed this a, is pre-satnav days as well wasn't yeah, it so never it, missed a flight tea time nothing and there's no it's just like chalk and cheese I'm not there there, there's there's something seriously wrong if I'm not there wow but you Um, sorry go on so you had a good year as well though the first year like financially and stuff was a strong year that was was a surprise but looking back I prepared well there were courses I knew and I just drove the ball really really good for two months I was hitting every drive as hard as I could right and and they just most of them went straight and, and at this point, you are you're out on tour. Had the coaching taken a complete back seat, or were you still even um, picking, picking up a bit of coaching? Still doing little bits, um, but in the six months leading up to that, a couple of guys gave me a bit of money just to practice, um, which I'll forever be in debt for. Um, not loads, but enough that yeah. it, it ticked off the Security. need to do the lessons a safety net for you yeah so i just practiced for because i'd got two starts a year before but i failed um i missed the cut in both but i got close i double bogeyed my last hole at the belfry to miss the cut by two i never forget that it was devastating you were in the water i finished on the ninth hole all oh, right right drove it down the Still middle a of the tough fairway hole the ninth. i had a wedge into the green right on the ninth in the middle of the fairway and i needed a par I needed a par to make the cut and as my iron play or wedge play was at the time, I caught it a little bit squeezy, come up short in the front bunker and plugged. Um, 
double bogeyed it. And that was it. Oh. Yeah, but that um, gave me hope because I'd. Uh, you were you were I almost there. Yeah, I thought I was all, almost. You almost there. made money. Almost made money in, in a situation where I didn't know what I was doing, and I thought, "Give me another year at this. I'll I'll be able to come back to this event next year and make some money." Mate, that's ridiculous, mm. isn't it? So, so then through that journey from 2003, that's when you joined the tour, yeah. wasn't it? And then through a period then of, of kind of nine years until we build up yeah. to 2012, you'd had success at the Irish Open. Yeah. yeah you, you've had a, a lot of success at the Irish the Open. Irish Open has been brilliant to me. Not fully sure why, but it's a tournament that's, um, I don't know, I think I've, I think I've enjoyed the courses that we go to. The the sort of golfing lifestyle in Ireland's pretty cool, isn't it? You, TV's you, just gone off, Matt. So you you so. play play your golf, have a few beers afterwards, right? Everyone's sort of just loving golf. Happy. Yeah, yeah. That, they love they it, love golf. They obviously, love golf. And and the, the Irish Open's a tournament I watched all the time. Watched Nick Faldo win it. Watched uh, Seve playing it. I just watched that one a lot. So it was, um, but it, it doesn't necessarily mean. That you're going to play well in it. it just happened to work out that way for me so in 2009 you were in a playoff with amateur at the time shane yeah. lowry right yeah shane pictured to the post yeah shane shane beat me there that was a that was an amazing week that was that was my first it's actually my first tournament from so from 2003 i lost my card in 2004 i played 31 tournaments and my best finish in an event that year was 21st in the irish open right at that course that i went back to in the, when I lost to Shane. Right. Uh, that was the best event I had in a whole year, right? Traveling all over the world. I was just battling and battling. Um, Realising my game. My driving was still good. My iron play was terrible. My putting was even worse. My chipping was kind of non-existent, right? It was just a functional chip shot that I had, but I never had, I wasn't like duffing them, but I just wasn't any good at it. Mm. Would you put this down to the fact that you spent a lot of time beating balls at a driving range? Yeah, yeah I used to hit drivers and five irons, <laughs> right, and eight 50-yard wedge shots. Yeah. That's all I needed. To, to a sign. That's, yeah. that's all I needed to do to make money in the region, right, because I drove it really well. I faced 50-yard pitch shots all the time on short par fours and par fives. If I could do both of those reasonably well, I shot under par, it was easy. That doesn't work on a tour, right? <laughs> uh, players are a lot better than that. So I remember in 2004, I played with Bradley Dredge yeah. right, in Qatar you know, on a windy day um, on the course that we always play the, the, the Qatar Masters at. Um, and he hit every, every iron shot straight at the flag. Right? And I was like, I can't do that. I've never seen anyone do that before. You hitting shots with shape? I was just, no, I just, I kept pushing and pulling iron shots, right? Yeah. Be, You're finding I, the green. I'd hit a lot of greens, right? But... I'd never be, look like I'm knocking flags down. I thought, I've, I've got to learn to do that because my putting's not great. And I couldn't see a way that I would become a really great putter. And that's one thing I'm, I'm actually quite pleased of that I was right. Because I spent the next 20 years trying to putt as well and I, I had very, very little success with the putter. I got, I got good enough just to hold out putts and just to keep my my game ticking over mm. and keep my scores ticking over. But in 20 years and 400 and something tournaments, I can probably tell you the days where I put it well. Honestly. Uh, yeah. So let's say when you're in your peak on tour, yeah. just for listeners, and, and obviously when you're on tour, you don't have a handicap. But yeah. what handicap would you have said you were playing to at that time? I've since joined clubs recently and started to play. And I'm if I don't shoot five or six under par around a normal course, I'm 
you're pretty I'm hard. disappointed. So well, let's say you're off plus six or seven. Something like that, I would imagine, yeah. What, just quick snapshot, and yeah. this is kind of just guesswork, yeah. what handicap would you have put on your driving ability? Most of that. So plus six, plus at, seven. At the start, yeah. Not I, now. I in play? Scratch, maybe. Wedges into greens, some pitching. Um, the 50 yard shot was okay everything else was good <laughs> right so that would have evened itself out to so probably have been over but I would have put in one or two something like that chipping similar one or two and then putting five five wow. handicaps yeah probably yeah well, I'll, I've played with some five handicaps and I don't think they would argue with me <laughs> <laughs> you just I was very very good at short putts though so, so what inside six, six feet six feet um I made myself good at those. Yeah. I couldn't afford to miss any of them. Well, you can't. Didn't not on the, many not, monsters. But not on the, no not monsters. On the speed. No. The, the green speed you're playing at. You yeah, can't no. miss I can't. those six footers. I, but I never made anything from the 10 foot to the 30 foot mark. And I mean, probably not supposed to hold 30 foot. But then 10 foot to 15 to 20 foot. Zero. I know what you see when people go on these mad runs. They're the ones that just seem You've to just... hold them. Yeah. Well, I'm going to fast forward a little bit in time and then come back. Because in yeah. 2019, again at the Irish Open, yeah. you had a put on the last green, 4 of 59. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's the one of the days, right? And that is a day where you hold it's a the... monster on 16 yeah. and a monster on 17. 17 was absolutely ridiculous putt. Probably one of the longest, stupidest putts I ever hold. Um... I was putting well that day. Uh, it was one of those rounds that kind of I, pl- I played okay. Right, you it was like eleven threes or something. Yeah, it was by <laughs> by nowhere near the best I've ever hit the ball. Not even close. But it was just an all right tee to green day. That was. Uh, I remember playing with Grant Forrest, and he was laughing at me on the way around because I'd moaned a lot about my putting <laughs> right <laughs> in the time, um, and I just kept holding just a few few pots to keep the round ticking over. I remember mean, getting through 10, 11 holes in five, I don't know, five, five under-ish, something like that. So it was going to be a good day. I was quite happy playing, scoring nice um, on the side. I moved up the leaderboard a little bit. And then, um, yeah, around 12, 13, 14, 15, I just kept holding those 10, 15 fours. Just kept going in. And then to the 17th, I hit terrible iron shots. It was a seven iron. It was, it was, Oh, it was an awful shot. And a short left one at a bit. Yeah, it was all dreadful. Right, I was trying to hold it into a right to left wind and I hit it too soft and I, I think I miss hit it. It was it was crap. Right, and finished on the front of this green. I was like, oh no, because I knew what the green was like. The green's got one of those big lumps in the middle of it, <laughs> right, that separates all the portions of the green. I'm like, I've got to put right over that. So a two put here is just oh, a Oh, it's definitely three put yeah. for me, that is. No, <laughs> no question, right? I've, I'm thinking, oh, I've just ruined my day here. I'm going to three put that. Last par five. Let's just let's just get this over with now, right? Any chance of a great round? Over. Are these true? The thoughts you're having? Yeah, is yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Wow. As soon as I see a ball land on the front of the green, and I know I've got either a tier to go up or some sort of strange little mound yeah. or over a corner of a bunker. You know, this little mounds off the yeah, side. Yeah. Anything like that, I've, instantly i'm like i'm not good at these and, and what would you put that down i to? don't see it right don't see it i'm yeah. guessing you've had a lot of help with that as well yeah, yeah, yeah. but you can't if you can't see it you can't see it right so you just, <laughs> yeah most of the time my caddies in the last in the last i don't know from um when jamie lane started caddy for me which is around 18 19 i think uh, was it no when when um no sorry 2008 or nine well, nine was when you when you it was nine the Irish Shane, Shane yeah. Lowry. So just before that, 
Jamie started. He he would lie down on the green and read all the putts for me and line my putter up. Um, so on so, the 17th, you had this one over the hill, far yeah, so, away. Yeah, so at the, I'd had a few lessons, actually, putting lessons <laughs> off uh, Mike Kansky. Um, and I was measuring my... Well, he... He told me my stroke was had a bit too much delay in the transition, right? And it was having a little bit of too much lag and the club head actually wasn't coming through sharp enough. So that's Phil Kenyon's kind of right-hand man, yeah. isn't it? So we, between us, we came up with this sort of, and a little bit of me, I was thought, I'm going to measure my length of backswing to know when it's got to stop. And then I'm going to just send it through. Right, so it was really quite measured and deliberate. And then this putt was massive. I forget how long it was, but it was basically from the front to almost the back of the green across this little lump. It was 60, 70 foot. Yeah, so like, I don't know. If not, not more. I don't know what length of backswing this needs to be, right? <laughs> I'm just going to walk away. So I literally just hit it, trying to get it over the top of it, because it had to run over the top of this lump. And it went straight over the middle of it. Couldn't believe it. And then as soon as it went over it and started to dive to the left, I'm like, oh no, that, that's actually in. That's That's just the luckiest putt ever, because it was just a... Just a hit and hope that it, because I was expecting to miss either side of this mound and leave myself 15, 20 foot for a par, which I thought I'd probably miss. Um, and it went right plumb through the middle of it. I thought, well, that's that's in now. And that and that round you shot 60? I shot 60, yeah. 10 under par and 60 yeah. par 70. When you look back at that round or even post, obviously yeah. right side, I'm sure, um, did you feel like you'd left shots out there as well still? Um, did you have a bogey on the front nine? I might have done. I might have done. I'm terrible at remembering. Sure, you had a bogey on the front nine. I was I re- doing a little bit of research yeah. this weekend. I might have done. You're right. I might have done early on in the front nine, but I didn't hit the ball that well that day. That's that's why I don't look back at that. I, I look at that as one of the rounds where I got the most out of it because my putting was, it was one of those days where the putting just actually worked. I was that's watching crazy, the putt now as you speak. It's absolutely massive. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's, it's a stupid putt. We'll, I remember we'll getting it, to the last we'll, green. We'll put right? it on the YouTube video version. I got, I rushed to my, <laughs> my drive on the last and then my second shot on the last pro- probably did almost what I wanted. I was just on the edge of the green. Yeah. It was a, I took a two iron off just a side of my, yes, it was quite a good shot. Uh, I was hoping for better. Right? I wanted to get it in that sort of 20 foot zone. So the realist, real proper chance shooting 59, but it was on the edge of the green, but I just hold this monster putt. So I thought you can't do it again. Any, any putts <laughs> possible. Right. And I, and I went to my ball too quick and I forgot that Grant was in the bunker. And I think if I'd have just had a little bit more, well, not, you don't get too many experiences to try and shoot 59, but if I think I'd maybe have just chilled a little bit and then, because I was just in a rush to hit it. Right, yeah, because you wanted to get it I wanted it done. to hit it, but when I first got to it, I saw a bit of a line and then I had to go back out the way. Ah, because Grant needed yeah, to hit his shot. Yeah, needed to his shot and I shouldn't have done that. I should have <sighs> just waited, gone in and hit it and that probably I mean, had a better a, chance. It wasn't but, an easy put. It no, no, as no, if it was I, a reasonable effort. You really. could have had 10 attempts and you might have held it once. Yeah, no, it was, it, it was a 60. It wasn't really a 59 just, chance. Just <laughs> jumping back for one sec, one of the questions <laughs> yeah. I had, I'm sure we'll cover it in more depth, but when you obviously in 2009, the playoff uh, with Shane Lowry, who was obviously yeah. an amateur, what was it like going into a playoff, knowing that you were going to pick up the first place cash? Did, did it still keep that drive to win the tournament or deep down everything? Well, I've got, I'm, I'm going to get the money. How, how did that feel? How did you and, motivate and did, yourself? And did you know that going into the playoff? Yeah, yeah I did. Yeah. Yeah. It was <laughs> absolutely. I knew that. Um, that tournament was the first time I'd actually teed it up in a, in an event, having already got my card secured for the following year. Right. So I think I'd finished second in, 
Italy the week before, um, mm. playing some really nice golf, and I'm assuming we were in June or July. But every year up to that, it took right till the death to to keep my card, and those years were horrible because just when the t- well, like tournaments just finished this um, past few weeks, and people's cards are on the line, and it's that part of golf is hard, mm. right? That's that's your um, character building as far as a tour pro's concerned. And I, I got through a few of those years, luckily on the right side, having to make a couple of cuts right at the end, which come down to hole in a six foot pot or yeah. birdie in the last when you don't really know what Jeez. you're doing. Right? Those those moments are hard. And every every pro's got sympathy for fellas doing that because it's difficult. Um, but that Irish Open was the first time I'd turned up at a tournament other than my first few events, which were bonus events, um, that was the first time I turned up without that pressure on. And I played just like a different fella. Because I was playing really good um, from the previous week, but then all that pressure was... Right. I, I, I didn't... You weren't thinking about where do I have to place to get my card? You were no. thinking, just go, go out and... Just it, enjoy it? playing. Yeah, I'm playing good. Just enjoy playing golf, right? And, and actually, I wouldn't have cared if I didn't play it any good that week. Because that pressure was... It was from five years, right? It's a lot. Which, and I didn't realise how much every round of golf I was putting myself under that sort of pressure when I bet, played. I bet. And when it was lifted, I was like, this, I'm back to playing, playing golf again. Just playing golf for the fun of it. Just made a bit of money last week, so money wasn't the um, primary objective for the week. I was sharing with a mate, and we just had a bit of a chilled out week. And you are in Ireland? And in Ireland, yeah, <laughs> a few beers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I got luck of the draw as well, right? Because one of the days on, I think it must have been Friday, was horrendous. And I was on the right side of that. Oh, that was good. Mm. That was good. And you let and you let local Shane Lowry win. Yes. Uh, but you that t- turned out all right at the end, didn't <laughs> it? was all right for him, yeah, wasn't it? it turned out what was right. that like, though, then, in that playoff, knowing, right, I'm going into this playoff with Shane Lowry, obviously amateur Irish. Yeah. But at the time, you wouldn't have... Was, was he a big deal? Was he a big no, name? No, didn't, that, right? You wouldn't have known anything know. about I him, kn- would you? I knew him and Rory were mates. Um, and I think I'd already played with Rory. I think I played with Rory in his first ever pro event. Um, why they paired him and me, I, me, I yeah. don't know. But I remember playing with Rory as an amateur. Just alphabetical order. Probably, yeah. <laughs> Rory and Robert. <laughs> but did you, did, was that... Were you in that playoff thinking, I want to win this, I want to pick up that trophy? I guess, obviously, there's a part of that. Well, I, played with, th- I played with Shane Saturday and the Sunday. So the Saturday was the eye-opener because everyone was on the tee cheering him on and I thought, well, we'll see what he's made of here. Yeah. And he was brilliant. Mm. So there was no doubts in my mind that it was going to be a difficult weekend because there was a packed crowd all supporting him. Um, I got booed a lot on the Sunday. <sighs> that was, that I'd never was experienced. That different? Yeah, I'd never experienced that before. And I cope with that all right, to be fair, I see, because I understood. It's I understood not personal. The, yeah. No, I understood the story. Yeah. And it was a cool story, right? If I'd have been watching on TV, and I, I, I remember watching, um, I watch, whenever there was an amateur leading a pro event, I always watched that and thought, this is cool, yeah, right? really hope cool. He, hope he wins. In, in the home country. Yeah, so it was, I totally got it, but it was not nice. So you let him win. I'll have the money. Everyone's happy. Uh, but I want to answer your original question. Yeah, I was I was very aware because it was five hundred thousand for the first prize, and I got nowhere near that sort of money in any any event. I think my I don't know what my biggest check might have been. Um, probably just about a hundred, um, which is still amazing. Yeah, more than ever but, thought I'd ever win playing golf. But 
over the last few holes when it was down to me, uh, Johan Edfors and Shane all in the same group, I knew I just needed to beat Johan to make sure that money was going to be mine. <laughs> now, I regret it now um, because the top players play to win. Yeah. Um, I was playing, sort of playing to win, playing to win the money as well. And when mm. that's... It's a life-changing amount of money. I feel like you're, again, your mindset, you've not gone into this thinking <coughs> expected to win. No. Like everything no. that you've, it's almost like I've, I've overachieved already. Yeah. Like anything yeah. after this point is a bit of a bonus. Looking back, that was the best, probably the best golf I've ever played. Really? Should have won that tournament. Should have won it. Does that bother you now? Yeah. Yeah. It does now because money comes and goes, doesn't it? Yeah trophies and they but it's, it's, it's easy though in hindsight isn't it like yeah. you said at the time it is literally life-changing money of course yeah. it is and you got that and you know it, it, yeah it's a it did make moment. my life it made my life a bit easier um and what were you like were you early 30s at that point 92 uh, sorry 2019 no, <laughs> get my dates wrong 14 years ago 2009 i'm 32 yeah yeah so, you know, it's, you are still thinking with, you know, money and, right, how can I be secure yeah. and how can and you I... you don't know how long you're... Because bear in mind, the, the week before is the first time I've ever locked up my tour card mid-season. Yeah. But you don't know how long you're doing the job for. Qu question then, this isn't something I want to get too much in the weeds of, but yeah. the kind of player you, you were around that time and, and obviously, you know, making cuts and, and money and keeping your cards was a big thing. Would you have been... If, like, Liv was around back then, those days, they'd yeah. approach you, would that something that would have actually got you excited or do you have been very much a case of I want the P I want to stay on the European tour and then the legacy kind of thing can you see why players have got tempted by that guaranteed oh yeah cash? absolutely yeah golf's hard right I think through respect for how good everyone is and how vulnerable vulnerable you are as a golf pro in the decisions that you make um it's really hard to make mm. money it's really hard to to make money that's going to last you enough for a lifetime right I I retired last year and you still have doubts whether you've got enough that's going to last you, right? And you panic about what you do. Um, so if somebody approaches you with a significant amount of money, right? If somebody had probably offered me that amount at the start of that Irish Open week, I'd have probably gone, yeah. Yeah. Where do you want me to sign? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm in. I'm out, but yeah. <laughs> no, but I think it's a, the reason I asked you that question is just because when we see a lot of, the, as obviously we've discussed it to length, the, the, the pros have lived, the cons have lived and vice versa. But we so often think of like, you know, Rory being a spokesperson for, and he's done a great job of that, by the way, for, for the PJ Tour. But like, someone like Rory's career is set. He, he could never have to swing a club again. He's playing now, isn't he, for legacy. Yeah. Players like yourself who had great years, but were also very conscious of keeping the card and, 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 and providing that must be where it's more tempting for these guys, surely. Yeah, yeah. Because um, if you're playing down in that those reaches of pro golf, right, it's about prolonging, either prolonging your career so you can keep earning the money and keep doing that job. Because um, it's golf. Being yeah. a golf pro is a great job, right? So if somebody gives you a, a bit of added security as well, um, it's easier to enjoy you. Yeah. Easier to enjoy your job. How, obviously everyone listening and watching now is a, is a golf fan of some description, hence why they're listening and watching, but, and we see golf as a hobby and we, we you know, love it, etc. But at what, at what point does it actually feel like a job being a tour professional? I'm guessing it does. There's so much travel. It's obviously strenuous. It's long days. It's pressure, you know, holding a six foot putt to pay the mortgage is so much more uh, strenuous than hitting a six foot putt to beat your friend. Like, does yeah. it feel like an actual job or do you always go back to that being a, being a 13-year-old kid thinking, I can't believe I'm making a living from this? Or is it a bit of both? 
I think I haven't. I don't think I've ever quite lo- lost the perspective on what a proper real job is, mm. right? So it's never felt like I'm out there doing hard graft every mm. single day, right? For in a job that you don't like, that's that's what a lot of people. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Face, isn't it? Mm, of course right. it is. Um, so I've never, never felt like that. I've always, I've quite often felt this is really hard and it might be too much for me because this is yeah. difficult. And, and the pressure you, uh, and the stresses you put on yourself trying to prolong that and trying to get the best out of yourself is, is quite demanding sometimes. And it, and it pushes you to think, well, have I got this right? Can I, can I keep doing this? Can I keep battering my head against the wall, getting nowhere? Um, and whilst not making a lot of money, right? So for for those years from 2004 to 2009, when I'm just keeping my card, I'm probably only clearing 40, 50 grand, yeah. mm. but I'm traveling almost every week yeah. and I am constantly hitting balls and constantly getting myself into a state about my game and, and not being <laughs> content or happy and going to tournaments, feeling underprepared and not good enough. Well, you... you- you know, you're living out of a, t- a suitcase. Yeah, I didn't mind that too much. I didn't mind that. That was part of the job, and, and travelling's quite nice, even though... Is your, is your stool sinking again? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I don't, it is. I'm trying, maybe I'm a statue of it. No, it's all right. Um, I'm worried that you're going to be... You've yeah, got a sinking stool somewhere in the studio. Um, but also, you've got the pressure of, obviously, you've got to pay for your caddy. You've got to pay for yeah. a management company. Yeah, there's gotta, lots of stuff coming in and out every, every week that sometimes you just try and not look at hope that you've got enough in there to to tick over and um I, my my first few events as we talked about earlier because they were local and i did okay uh, I, had, I had a bit of money in the bank to start with i had none before um you have to pay 
an affiliation tour membership when you when you play on in, on invites and you want your money to count for the tour, right? So when you, if you want your money to stay on the uh, on the money list at the end of the year and you're playing on invites, you have to pay an affiliation fee, ah. right? So that was two grand when I started, which I didn't have. So I put that on a credit card um, just as a punt because I thought that's I, before the event even starts. Before before your first shot. Oh right! Wow. Yeah. So you put the, the previous year I didn't do it because I was only playing two, um, but that particular year I knew I was going to be playing three, maybe four. And I wanted just to see at the end, like, imagine 20 years down the line and I'm the pro that says, I played on tour once, you know, right? But there's no evidence of it because they've scrapped my name off the list. Oh, my God. Right? So I thought, Can't I'm, pay for that? I'm going to pay to keep my money on the list so I know where I stood that year. Even if it was last, I'd still be on there. Um, so if you don't make any money but you finish last, it would still keep the record as such? I don't know, possibly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I just wanted to say that, yeah, like I finished two hundredth or two hundred fiftieth or wherever I finished. I just, but if you want your money to count and to actually be able to win your tour card, I think you have to have paid that money. Wow. So you're backing yourself then again. You're backing yourself a bit, yeah. Wow. But then, then I won some money, so I had a bit of money behind me for the following year, which I probably spent a lot of. But um, <laughs> I always had that little bit in the bank to start my European tour career. Yeah. Not everyone gets that lucky maybe no some start with um five or ten grand which can go in the first of course it can fortnight right and then you're under more pressure i really want to dive into 2012 okay possibly you might correct me yeah highlight of your career oh, absolutely yeah absolutely. so you won the hsbc Abu Dhabi championship yeah playing in the final round mm -hmm. with no other than tiger woods Wow. You were leading, uh, you were level pegging yeah. going into the final round. And at the end of it, you beat Tiger and Rory, yeah. which not many golfers in the world can say they have ever done. No. Talk us through <laughs> is that, it. First off, is it your actual highlight of your career? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it was worth all the hitting balls off mats in the crappy days as a young golf pro uh, it was worth all the the hard years in between 2004 and nine before i actually felt like i turned into a, a tour proper, pro. proper tour pro um i don't feel i got enough out of the effort i put in up until that point and then i thought well golf's gifted me just something massive back in return and i've got to just say thanks very much and when when you were playing that final round with Tiger, how like intimidated were you? Were you, were you worried or, or were you going into it with this kind of happy-go-lucky that I shouldn't really be here, but I kind of am here mentality that you've kind of had throughout your career? I, I was fully aware of how other pros like me have performed when they've played with Tiger. Um, I was intrigued as to why that was. Fully expecting... Um, not a great performance on my part, but I was I was expecting to learn something about why that why that is. Um, I'd met Tiger the previous day, which helped a little bit. We had a, a mutual, obviously mutual friend in Sean Foley at the time. Yeah, I'd spoke to Sean quite a lot beforehand, not before the the round, but in the months before. Um, and just so happens, I ended up being paired with Tiger for the Sunday. 
but Tiger had come over and said hello on the on the Saturday, which if he hadn't done, that would have probably made the day harder. Um, so we chatted a little bit. Is that very untiger thing to do? Yes, I was really surprised. Um, I think he was going through more of his um, another swing change at the time, uh, or I think he'd already done that with Sean actually, because he ended up. I think he ended up winning four or five times that year. Um, but he was Sean's f- um, philosophy and mine on golf at the time were pretty similar. I think. So, I don't know. We knew who I was anyway, which is pretty cool. Mm. Really cool. Yeah, that surprised the hell out of me. <laughs> he actually knew who I was. So, that was nice. Um, and then during the final round, I wasn't expecting anything other than him to fully be in game mode. Um, it blanked me all the way around. I expected him to, but he didn't. I thought he would do. Oh, but he wow. Didn't. Um, and. I thought, worst case, I'm just going to have a front row seat watching Tiger Woods win a tournament. <laughs> That's Which crazy. Watched, you watch him on TV, don't you? Right? Is it just you and him? The no, it was me, there. him and Peter Hansen. Wow. Um, so, yeah, just a just a magic day, really. And I you know. shot two under, didn't you? You shot 70 to win it. Yeah, I think so. So two under or one under, forget. It was a 70, whatever that is, the, the par. So I think you, two under, yeah. So oh. you should, go on. But I was going to say, obviously, not only you with Tiger Woods... You've, I'm guessing you're the final group and you've got all... Was you the final group? Sorry. Yeah. yeah. You've got all these people obviously flocking around because it's Tiger Woods. Mm. Did that feel different? I'm guessing that was one of the biggest crowds that you've ever been followed by or, or up there, if not. Um, or was it not super big because it was in Abu Dhabi? Yeah, I don't know the numbers on the crowd, to be honest. Um, I never played in front of a lot of people. Uh, when I played with Shane, that was a lot of people. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, and then when I've played the Open a few times, there's a lot of people there. They're not following you particularly just a lot of people watching people um i never coped really well with i didn't mind people it was cameras i didn't like so much um and the maybe a bit of background noise that was random i didn't like that Um, i'm I'm the other way i quite like cameras but i don't like people (laughs) 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 i don't mind cameras watching me it's real life people i can't i can't comprehend the cameras because when when i used to play um obviously not your main draw for the tournament so if the cameras came to watch me they would generally come in the middle of a round because i was doing all right yeah okay and it always upset my balance and pre-shot routine at that point yeah um, because it wasn't consistent wasn't consistent like, so, yeah. sometimes i was okay if they started with me on a saturday or a sunday because I've played my way into that sort of yeah. position, but I, that didn't happen very often. So I never really got, never really got completely comfortable with that. Um, you didn't have enough chances, particularly to um, play in front of cameras like that on I, a consistent I did, I basis. I had chances, but I didn't play well enough right. to, to get myself in that position. And, and I probably didn't do, I probably didn't do enough about it to, to get better at it. Um, since through, through coaching and stuff, I've met people that are, sort of more famous in their own right and we've talked a bit about it and they interesting to find out that they've had similar sort of experiences but had to face it earlier on because it was a um a daily part of what they do well, so uh, say rory 
Yeah. It'd be weird if he didn't have cameras following him. Yeah. He'd be thinking, what have I done? Yeah. Like, why, is there no, why is there not 15 cameras following me? Exactly, yeah. Back to the Tiger, though, thing as well. I'm guessing, I think he's a couple of years older than you, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. So when he won the Masters at 21, that would have been the same time you're at the range beating balls. You would have been fully aware of Tiger for more... I watched him in the evenings when I finished my shift at the first golf club I worked at when I was probably sometimes doing a little shift in the bar or you'd done the coaching night and you go back up into the bar with the members. Yeah. Um, he's on the TV winning PJ Tour events. And then to now be playing with him, beating him in yeah. the final round of a DP weird. World Tour yeah. event. Mm. That's yeah, crazy. Special. What, did, what did that do to your mentality? What, uh, from that point, is that, is that normally January 2000? Yeah. January the Tour of Tour I haven't, event. I haven't hit a decent shot since. <laughs> Don't need to. Don't need to. <laughs> David Howe David said something really funny to me. The week after in Dubai, um, everyone's coming over and saying, well done, which was great. And then he came over and said, be careful, I did that once. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, right. Don't know what he means, but I'm going to find out. Yeah, and, and, and you found and out. dead right. Yeah, dead right. Because it's, it's just an unbelievable overachievement, isn't it? And you just think, wow, what did I do to deserve that? Right, because the timing of it has to be so... Um, so precise and lucky that because he doesn't Tiger doesn't no. play in Europe right no. doesn't probably no. never will do ever again um, he plays the open but plays not. the majors right yeah. you don't get drawn to Tiger in a major unless you're yeah. unless you're playing your way into that on the weekend which takes some doing yeah right because he's probably winning it um, so the the opportunities for European tour players to play with Tiger Woods are pretty much zero in a final round yeah. of one of the, a flagship event. Bear in mind that tournament I didn't like. <laughs> right, so... I mean, to be honest, I remember Tommy Fleetwood saying this before he won it. I thought that tournament was so far out of my depth, it was unbelievable, because they, they used to pay so many people to come and play that, right? It's a relatively low price fund event, right? But they'd shelled out big yeah. time to get... Appearance fees. To get Tiger, Rory, Dustin Johnson whoever and they generally did all right and nearly won it uh, i remember martin kamer and paul casey setting scoring targets of like 20 odd un- sorry about 20 odd under par right for the previous years i thought i'm not going to get anywhere near that round this course right i just i'm just not right i don't put well enough best i and i think the best finish i had was 40th at eight under par right which was which was good yeah, I thought that's that's it because they're big undulating greens. What you don't like? <laughs> yeah, this is what, exactly what I don't like. Right, I'm gonna have loads of fast breaking putts, long putts, um, lots of chipping out of thick rough, which I didn't like either. Yeah, so it just seemed a tournament like Dubai Desert Classic a few weeks later. Loved that tournament. I always felt like I'd do okay in that. Greens are a little bit flatter, flatter and smaller. Yeah bit more precise tee to green I felt um, and I sort of just got the course a bit more just I mean yeah, I you remember, have that don't you but. I remember when um, I, what was the, what was the year you remember better than me when you were over there and, and um, 17 2017 I had an opportunity to and Tommy won caddy for Tommy Fleetwood on the back nine and I, and I ended up not doing I ended up walking around with him and he said oh, I've really struggled around this golf course and I, I, so I missed the last three or four cuts at that venue or something like that he goes on the wins 2017. Right, he yeah. backs it up in 2018, and, and, yeah. and he did. He's done really well ever since at that tournament. It's like sometimes you just need that. You might have had a terrible run at a golf course, and suddenly you can go out and win it. Didn't Victor Hovland say it this year at, um, at Jack's place? Uh, um, at uh, God, it, 
it's got a God, I can't think what his golf course is called now. It's got the same name as another famous golf course. Yeah, Muirfield. 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 Muirfield Village, yeah. So he, he he never liked that golf course. Yeah. And he went out and won it there this year. Like sometimes it doesn't always a golf course that you don't like or doesn't suit your eyes. Sometimes you can actually perform well around it, can't yes. you? Yes, yeah. And, and that was a lesson learned really that um, just because you haven't particularly played well there before doesn't mean you can't. And that year the greens were firmer. So... It was less of a low-scoring event. I think I won at 12 or 13 under par. Which, wow. bear in mind, I was 40th yeah. at 8 under in, in my best finish before. It shows you what the the course was normally played like. It was normally just tore to pieces. But that particular year, it was they made an effort to make it firmer. Um, just suited how I was playing. I played really well the week before in in South Africa and came there... Just quite content with my game, but sort of writing the week off a little bit. I was having a little bit of a holiday week, right? So um, didn't didn't have a practice round. Wow. Um, did a bit of pra- great practice facilities. That yeah, club. really nice. Love practices. I practiced there quite a bit. Didn't really didn't really go out and play a practice round because I wasn't really that fussed. Um, I was looking forward to Qatar and Dubai, oh my and God. I just had a decent. I'd had a top ten in at Fancourt the week before. I thought, my game's in decent shape. Let's not let this week beat me up too much because I want to play well the next two weeks. Almost damage limitation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but for someone like yourself then that came from like a, a humble background and kind of hard work, it feels like kind of working class story. When you were winning these big checks then, yeah. did you kind of think, right, I'm here, I'm going to enjoy myself or were you very reserved thinking, this is big money, need to be sensible yeah, with it? I never spent hardly any of it. Really? I mean, I may have had a couple of nights out and maybe did you ever treat yourself to anything like random where you thought right i want to buy that watch i'm going to treat myself to that this watch i got on now i got this actually got the given this for winning that tournament there you go Uh, did it really yeah yeah Yeah. every every tournament wow yeah i didn't wear it up until i wore it to start with and then i thought i was wearing it to do gardening and stuff (laughs) as well that's a flex (laughs) right oh this watch want to be tiger i just kept scratching it at the back and i thought right i don't like it i got it serviced and polished up and i'm just gonna leave it now Mm. and leave it in in the safe at home and maybe give it to my my lad when he's older um and then because it was kind of it's just quite quite shiny or i just didn't like wearing it so then i just bought a blue strap for it i thought i quite like wearing it should have brought a red strap just to remind you that you bought Tiger. So even at the <laughs> younger age, Tiger. though, when you were like, you said you were 32 when you, you yeah. beat, it, but you came, obviously got the money for winning, well, sorry, second place when Shane Lowry won. You'd never really, you splashed out. You no, just... no. We, we, I bought a house shortly after that. There was one that I got my eye on that was out of my price bracket and just, as life sort of it. tends to yeah. give you something sometimes and won that money. I thought, right, it's now or never to buy a decent house. So I just did that. Have you ever, uh, Tiger ever spoke to you since? Yeah. 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 I, I haven't seen him much, of course, but um, when he came to play in Dubai a few times, he would always have a few little remarks about my hair. And <laughs> sometimes he's coming. Jealousy. Yeah. And then sometimes he's coming, stood behind me while I've been hitting balls and saying, come on, then let's see the high draw knowing that I beat him with a low fade, right? And he knows that I haven't really got that one in the bag that often. <laughs> so that was his, his little dig back, I think. But yeah, he's been cool with me. Uh, That's so cool. Get on, get That's on really good. Speaking of your hair... Probably respect some, you. Well, yeah, I'm sure you will. Something that obviously I'm sure you've asked, been um, answered a million times. How can you wear a hat very often? Just was it a sponsorship thing? Or? Um, didn't didn't like how they fitted. Um, I had a lot of, lot of hair 
Mm-hmm. Flex. When I was 20, <laughs> 20 odd years old and it, and it felt, and my hair's thick, right? So when I wore a hat, I just didn't like it. It felt oh, like yeah, I was wearing... Bubble out. Yeah, it did, yeah. And it, it just felt itchy and uncomfortable, but I just didn't like, I didn't like being told what to do every day. Did that turn sponsors away then into some degree? Yeah. Really? Yeah, no no real club deals because of it. On, really? Wow. So that like, must have been hard at your early career then when you needed kind of every yeah. penny. Yeah, uh, Titleist were always great. Well, we, you got paid for using the Titleist ball and wearing foot joy shoes, right? Which yeah. I pr- would have done anyway, right? But yeah. they, they pay you for that, which is awesome. Um, and then sometimes early on they would... Callaway and TaylorMade were doing driver driver only deals, which a lot of players were on, as well as their other main club deal. Um, but the main club deal, where you're having your tour bag and and the hat, that that was something I sort of passed up on. The hat, such wow. a, an option yeah, real estate, though, is, it? yeah, yeah. Because you you did a visor for a while. Did a visor visor at the end, which as I got older, I couldn't handle the heat quite as much. Right. So I, I would actually get close to getting sunstroke being out there all day without a hat without, without some protection yeah, on. and yeah. then you did a flat cap for a while so didn't you um yeah um I, I wore a i would like to wear a flat cap when it was when the weather was bad because right. you have to wear something some mm-hmm. sort don't you um and then um i did wear a, a sort of logoed flat cap for maybe a season or part of a season didn't really didn't really like wearing that but the guy that offered me that he was cool so just wear it whenever you feel like wearing it how much do you reckon you lost out on not wearing a hat? God knows. Um, I like it. I think it's a good USP. That's all. Uh, if I, I think so, what? I don't te- know. Technically, was it 18 years actually on tour? Yeah. You said you missed 2004. No, I played 2004. Did you say you lost a, lost your card in one year? Yeah, I lost not? it, but I got it back in oh, some right. form. So I played, I played pretty so much. So 19 years. Probably 20 years I played fully. Um, and what do you reckon a hat deal would be worth a year? <laughs> 50, 60? Probably, it probably averaged out, yeah, with early years being less than 50, but probably more so when I was playing better, yeah. So probably 50 a year. So but just think though, if you were against Tiger, you didn't feel quite comfortable in your cap, like, oh, it's itchy, don't yeah. like this. Then you, you miss a port. You'd have a smooth, smooth extra million in the bank <laughs> for wearing that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Money can't be yeah. beating Tiger Woods. What's fascinating about your story and, and why I've been loving, I've genuinely, genuinely been loving chatting to you, Robert. It's been so interesting hearing the kind of more backstory. One of the things, obviously, you mentioned being a PJ uh, coach, PJ yep. golf pro, you were, that's how you kind of first started. And as later on in your career, it's obviously famous that you started to also pick up a few clients on tour. Yep. While you were still playing, you actually then started to coach a few players on tour, yeah. such as, if I'm not wrong, Matt Wallace. Yeah. Thomas Bjorn, Oliver yeah. Wilson, yeah. Amy Bolden, am I right in saying that? Yeah. Did you pick yeah. up a few of the yeah. female pros yeah. as well? Mm. Kind of how did that all start and what 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 happened there? It probably started because I was always on the driving range with my camera or iPad and the tripod behind me, just practicing my own thing. Coaching yourself. Coaching myself, yeah. Right. Um, not having coaches around me, just doing my own thing. Sometimes people were interested in what I was doing. Sometimes they were just wanting to borrow the camera, right, and just say, can you film this? Or, um, But eventually, uh, at the start, people thought I was probably a little bit loopy doing it, but that was how I'd always practised. Um, taking it out on... I didn't like doing that in the end on uh, at tournaments, videoing my swing on a Tuesday on a busy range, um, 
they feel a bit cluttered or a bit hard work. Yes, and with the constant, like you always get questions about what you're doing, why are you doing that? Yeah, why don't you, why don't you just do this? Why You'd probably get that off players. Yeah, caddies, caddies, other coaches. Yeah. So it, um, club manufacturer people wandering we get, around. We're, we're getting away, right? Because you have this little, mm. like when you're practicing, there's a, there's a group of people that yeah. want to be in there, and I'm trying to video. Do you people hate the people working. in the practice ground? Yeah. <laughs> no, I've, no, I've no, no. quite a few times. Um, it can get annoying. I get it. Yeah, can I can imagine. I, I like to just practice on my own. If there was an option to go to the other end of the driving range at a tour event, would you be down there? Probably. Probably. Um, quite often, my caddy would go and do his work on the course because I didn't like him just standing there watching me practice. Um, sorry. Sorry. I didn't like people watching me practice because sometimes when I'm practicing, I'm just doing weird stuff because I'm trying to come up with something, trying to figure something out. And that means sometimes I'm going to fat a few iron shots. I might thin them. I might shank them. I might even fresh air a couple of shots, right? And that's embarrassing at a tour event, but I had to do it sometimes. Um, so I think that led on to a couple of people just being, seeing the, that I'd gone through all that process and actually come out the other side actually playing all right and my swing being okay um and then my probably my first i did a bit of work with some lady pros that had just started that i'd that i'd met before and they were just turning pro amy and kelsey um the kelsey mcdonald is that yeah one, yeah the, the lady the lady pros at the let in that particular time um right it's a it's a tough school that is isn't it yeah. right they they're not playing for a lot of money don't have coaches on their tour um, don't really get a lot of help, so I thought it was. I thought I could help. Yeah, thought I could help them start their pro careers, maybe learn a little bit from my mistakes, uh, and then that. Of mentoring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More than they were already good players because they got themselves on the tour. Um, but then my first actual decent bit of coaching I felt with the tour players with Ollie Wilson at the Dunhill Links. Yeah. Cause didn't he go on and win it? He won it. Yeah. yeah. It was a, and that was a, that was an introduction to how sort of real champion golfers can turn themselves around. Cause he was, I'd, I'd got at the time Ollie's old caddy, Richie Hill. Um, Ollie was on challenge tour. Richie was caddying for me. Um, always interested in how Ollie was getting on because I knew he'd he'd struggled and yeah. got lost his card. And then Richie was like, "You need to have a, you need to have a look at Ollie, see if you can help him out." So just tell him the offer's always there. I know he got he'd already got his coaches at the time. So, but if you ever get stuck, just get and give me a shout. And then the one tournament he was in Kazakhstan, um, and he'd played. I forget whether he'd already played the first round. I think he'd already played the first round. And he sent me a sent me a swing. So I was trying to be quite professional, right? It's my first gig for the proper tour pro. So I've, I've e emailed in this probably a three or four page email with little swing clips and um, little examples of what I think he needs to do. Uh, and I've emailed it to him. I wonder where I think I might have been. I think I was at Celtic Manor and he's in Kazakhstan. And I've just emailed it to him, not really considering the time difference. I just sent it to him and I thought he'll read it when he gets home. Um, and then in the morning, I've looked at the scoreboard and he shot 10 under par, right? I'm like, I delete that. <laughs> yeah, because right. you think he's not ready I yet. I think he's not ready and I think he's just 
playing good. I don't want to read that now. He's going to mess mess up what he's doing, right? So oh I, I went into my email, so it's already gone. So I saw a text him. I was like, mate, if you haven't read it, don't read it until you get back. Just enjoy your week. Crack on. He's gone, no, no, I read it, read it this morning. Had a little think, did a few practice swings, and then hold my, first, hold my second shot on the first hole. Oh, my days. And he and he just ran with it, right? And oh then we my did God. then we did like another couple of weeks build up to the Donnell Links where he came to me and we practiced quite a bit. And then we at the tournament we played practice rounds together. Um talked through a lot of tee shots because he was he was struggling with his driver at the time. And then he won the tournament. Shh. Unbelievable. Did he did, didn't shoot like course record at Carnoustie or something? He shot shot a course record at Carnoustie on the first round and I'm I think I was Crazy. at St Andrews and I looked up and there's Wilson at the top. I'm like, what are the, are the Wilsons playing here this week? So no chance. No? No chance he'd done that. And shot course record and then battled it all the way to the end. And then um, it might have been against Tommy Fleetwood, actually. But anyway, it was on the last hole and somebody had to hole a put to tie and they didn't. And yeah, I was, I was sort of listening to text coverage of that as I'm driving back down the M6 because I didn't want to wait and curse him or anything. Yeah, magic feeling that was. That's crazy. Was yeah. that, was that obviously, it's not, I'm guessing it's not comparable to you winning, but I'm guessing that gave you a, a hell of a yeah. feeling. Oh, the best, one of the best, yeah, one of the best buzzes I've had from coaching. Um, it was good coaching Matt Wallace as well, but that was such a turnaround. And and looking back, I mean, I didn't do, didn't do that much, right? I just gave him a few things, but he... He took what he wanted yeah. out of that and and ran with it, right? And 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 won a tournament. And and is there any similarities of information you're giving to tour pros? Have you have you noticed a common trend? Because these guys can all play. Yeah. Is there is there something that that's like that you can go? Oh, there is every single one of them does X not quite as good as they should do. And maybe not even technique. It might even just be a mindset or a visualization or, 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 or every single one of them different. Um, no, cause we're all a similar, similar type of sort of weird golf pro. But Ollie was just trying to find something that gave him some feel of control off the tee. Mm. Right? Cause the rest of his game, um, it probably helped his iron play a little bit, but the rest of his game was already there, right? Magic short game, brilliant putter. And he just lost the enthusiasm for battling so hard for the pitching and putting when you're, you're not building a score. So that was already there for him. It was just nudging him into a playable direction off the tee where he could do all the stuff that he knew he was already good at, but it was kind of pointless where he was at. Because mm. if you're hitting loads of sort of provisional balls or you're oh, playing yeah. out the rough, right? You're, you're chipping and pointing for bogeys and oh, you're sure. not building a score, right? No. So you're not competing. So that, that after a certain number of months or years, that score building just kind of evaporates a little bit because you're not, you're not enthusiastic about the score that you're going to grind out because mm. it's going to be no use to you. If you're grinding out three over par, you're going home. Mm. Just still dropped again. Yeah. <laughs> right, can we just sort I don't notice it falling. I'm just noticing, like, the mic starts there. Then <laughs> and then when, when I worked with Matt, Matt Wallace, we were building something new because he was a new new pro. Um, and that was more intriguing because he hadn't got to his sort of best performance yet, whereas Ollie had played Ryder Cup. Yeah. So we, Ollie was trying to find something that he knew he'd already got. Matt was trying to see what he could get to. A bit more um, mentoring again. 
yes, but I could already see that he was really good, but he just hadn't got there yet. And he was probably already going to, he was on the path to getting to probably where he got with or without my help. But if I um, could nudge him there a little bit faster, then that was what my plan was for that. What, what's really interesting, I mean, I've I've recently, I, I think you've played some practice rounds with him. He was on tour, James Robinson yeah. called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. James is a golf coach yeah. um, now, and he's been on the channel a few times, and he's actually started to coach me now. Yeah. Um, over the last kind of three or four months, he's been giving me lots of advice. I send him swing videos. Yeah. He's been really, really useful for me. Like, yeah. just, you know what I, I, I like about it? It's all, and whether this is your style of coaching, it's almost this, this blunt kind of like reality check sometimes it's like it's quite like factual with it's just <laughs> yeah. like well why not why not shorten it a bit more it's like oh yeah yeah maybe i shouldn't it's like in, done in a nice way but it's like you know a bit a bit of a tough love sometimes which i, I yeah. actually really like maybe even going back to the point where the pro you worked under said well why are you not shooting under power all these yeah. times it's like almost guilting you into it and i feel like with james it's like yeah, maybe I, I do need to work on that a little bit more. Mm. It's like, all right, we'll do it then. In a, not in an aggressive manner, but just in like a... We need reminding sometimes. Yeah, because we all, in we, just like a bit of a bit of a pressure. Just yeah. like, come As on then. golf pros, we think we're, we're good at stuff. Yeah. Right? And sometimes you need to go, hang on a minute, that isn't really as good as it should be. Yeah. Right? You, it wouldn't take much for you to do it, but you actually got to have the balls to do it. Yeah. Mm. And risk maybe messing it up a little bit. Yeah, I've, I've been really, in really enjoying kind of that, having that kind of coaching offer, offer former tour pro because yeah. he's been there. Yeah, obviously, he didn't good have player. the great, great player. Great player yeah. Struggled on tour and then decided to go off tour because of life situations, having family and everything yeah. else. But like, it is quite interesting now when you see him. It's like he's like, no, come on, let's let's do this now. And, and he's he's passionate about me playing well, which is good. Mm. I, I feel excited about it. At the moment, then, who's on your books? Then, coaching wise, who who's kind of your players? Have you still got players on the books from a yes, tour level um, you'd like to talk about? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm working with Ollie Wilson still, but the, we did have a gap from then to to now. We started back at the Belfry this year. And had a similar, similar thing at the Belfry, right, from um, not working together for a long time. And then he approached me again and I started to think about what I wanted to do this time. And, and, and it was... Similar to to the last time, so I was quite pleased about that. I hadn't really changed my theories on the game too much, and but I think I'd got a better way of doing it this time. Um, and he fin finished second first week out again, <laughs> right? So that's him, right? That's not me, right? He just needs. I thought he's done it again, right? It's it's brilliant working with him, but also after that, it it sort of tails off a little bit yeah. because he's he he's likes now, that bit of boost of he's injection. Now back to where he wanted to be again, competing. But not, I think, maybe we'd need Ollie here to actually back me up on this, but I think he's when he's really open to something new, he gives it 100%. Mm. Yeah. And then when you, because in the tour pro life, all we want to be is actually competing. Once you've got something that puts you back in that place, of course compete, competing, you're less open to yeah. the same level of punt on something, um, like the same trying the same same intensity yeah. well, it's a bit like you know you, you you work out or you eat better before a holiday yeah 
you, you want to look good on yeah. that first day at the holiday. Yeah. As soon as you're on holiday, you're yeah. stuffing your face at the buffet <laughs> and it all kind of gets forgotten out the window. So so sometimes you need that like, no, I need that's where I need to get yeah. to. There's yeah. an urgency to get there. Yeah. But actually when you get there again, it's not that it falls off, but it's like, okay, I'm back, back again I don't need to worry as much now. Yeah, and, he, and he, we all think sometimes when our game drops off a little bit, like, is this it? Right, is it gone forever again? And then when it comes back, you're like, okay, it's all right. Again. It's, it's so, not gone. So, yeah. So, so Ollie Wilson. Ollie Wilson and um, Steve Brown. Um, Steve's at tour school at the moment, actually, playing this morning. Um, I do a tiny little bit with Tom Lewis. I was working with Georgia Hall, but not anymore. Um, it's been difficult, actually, yeah. keeping that going because I've... Well, you're not, you're not on tour not as there. much. It's yeah. so easy when I'm there. Yeah. Right? It's so easy to do when I'm there, but... Was it almost distractingly easy, or was it? Was yeah. it? Was it? Yeah, yeah. Because I enjoyed it. I enjoyed doing it as a um, bringing something new to the tournament week that I got so used to doing. Of course, with so much spare time, because uh, I used to organise my tournament week different to to most. I would practice really hard at home and go there what I thought was ready to play. Yeah. So I wouldn't be doing as many practice rounds and I wouldn't be hitting as many balls as I used to because I liked to try and sort of keep a bit of energy spare, which then opened up more of the week for me to do the coaching. Yeah, great. Rather than just sit in my mm. course, room, hotel room or whatever. Which is boring. Of course it is. Um, so I, I, I did enjoy doing that and, and it's quite hard to say no when you've got your people like your pros there that you you admire and you respect every one of them on the tour because they're all amazing. And then if somebody asks you for a bit of help, um, yeah, it's hard to say no to that. 2002, October 2002. Yeah. That's when you hung the, officially hung the boots up, weren't it? Hung the gloves oh. up, hung the clubs up. 2022. 2020. Why, I keep getting my dates <laughs> I right do today. that sometimes. Yeah. 2022. Yeah. You retired, right? Um, yes, and retirement's a weird, weird thing because you. I've actually been really busy this past year, which is why it's took me so long to <laughs> reply. Um, but did you know going into twenty twenty two that that was going to be your final year? Yeah, I'd made my mind up because uh, I the previous three years, including the COVID sort of years, which were a bit, mm. bit naff, right? Um, even though that first three month break that we had that really helped because I was nearly at the point where I thought I've done enough now. I think, I think I, was, I had a couple of injuries, nothing bad, but my wrist was really hurting and my back was really hurting. So practice was difficult. Um, and I've always been somebody that obviously practiced a lot to feel ready to go to the tournaments. Um, so that three month gave me a little bit of, bit of a break. My wrist healed in that time, which was awesome. So then I played, that first year of COVID, I played really good and I was really happy with that. But then the second year of COVID, I just hated to travel. It just got so tedious. Yeah. All Forms. the testing. Yeah. Oh, it was just a pain in the Yeah. Going to, going to East Midlands Airport like two or three times a week for the testing and then testing on site when you get to tournaments and then testing to leave. Um, and, the, and just the, the job lost all its cool well, parts. There was no crowd there or nah. like a bit flat, I, I guess. I actually think that the tour is worse off since that all the good bits of the tour that made the job amazing they all just went like your courtesy cars that mm. service went um all the nice little trimmings that used to make you think like you're at something special mm. 
they all they all disappeared. Um, and never came back? Never came back, no. Never came back. Because once you got rid of that sort of surplus yeah. expense and you know you can function without oh, it. Oh, yeah. It's hard right? to then, yeah. You, why would you put that back? Right. Yeah, that's right. very true. So, so uh, getting towards the end of 2022, yeah. but were, you, were you sad? Were you emotional? Uh, no, I, I just I got my head around it. I knew I was pushing my luck anyway because I was only playing 15 tournaments a year. I mean, you'd probably say... For your own, you were like pushing you up for 20, 20 yeah, odd years because yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you never, yeah. you know what I mean? And, 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 I'm, and I'm 40, 46. Um, they're not many 40 plus year old players. Um, and you've got a, a boy, haven't my, you? My son's 15 and he's playing a lot of football. And, and the reason, the, the main reason why is so that I can be there and drive him to football. Did you feel like you missed his younger years? Yes. Yeah, I missed from. Oh, but up till maybe four years ago, I was still playing a pretty full schedule, so mm. I missed a lot of that. Mm. Um, but as soon as he got a real interest in football, any sport requires parents to be at home and take them, doesn't it? Right? So, and it just felt too selfish of me to say, so I've done my job for 20 years, but you can't do what you like because I want to go off and do what I want to do still, right? Mm. Um, and I remember Mick O'Illan and uh, retiring, and he said, "I've been really selfish for a long time. It's time to um, re-establish a bit of balance." And I thought that was bang on. Well, as a tour pro, you have to be selfish. You've got to be. You've got to be to, to make it work. Unless you're unbelievably good at golf, right? And you can manage to pick and choose twelve yeah. events a year. But even saying that, even if you're unbelievably good good at golf, you 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 still have to be selfish to make sure it works. Yeah. But the thing is though, the, the obviously let's say for you're right, let's say Tiger or Rory or, or one of these guys who can, can be picky and choosy. They're going to play in yeah. four majors per year. They're going to play in Ryder Cup every other year. They're going to play in, um, you know, five or six other events per year. They've also got commercial entities. They've yeah. also got, um, service days. They've got to provide for sponsors. Yeah. They've then got to do, opening of golf venues or the foundation or whatever the time as much as it might not be on tour 40 odd weeks a year still a long way a lot of commitment outside yeah. of those hours as well like imagine those things are more interesting to them than turning up at a pretty nondescript tournament yeah. that doesn't mm. make doesn't make any difference to them whether they win it or not no it might do to the tournament having tiger or rory win it but they tiger doesn't remember half of his 80 odd no. wins, does he no don't care That's about all. it's all about Majors for Majors, him. Exactly. I'm sure it is for Rory. So if you've got something you've created yourself, you've probably got more enthusiasm for that than somebody else's tournament. Mm. Was there anything, when you look back on your tour, was there anything that you kind of regret not having the opportunity to, to do? Was there anything that you gone, God, I, you know, I wish I could have done this. I wish I could have achieved that. I never, I don't, thankfully I don't look back wishing I could have tried harder. Well, but, that's a good, that's a great yeah, answer. To that. <laughs> that, Kills any doubts for me that I, I promise you, I, putting just still drives me insane, right? But I, I, there probably wasn't a day that I didn't think about it and try and do something about it. Yeah. But just failed. But it's fine. Like, for example, you know, just looking, like, you'd never got the chance to play in the Masters. Um, I got to 54th in the world ranking, um, which was after... After I played in Abu Dhabi with Tiger, yeah, I got to 54 and I think 51 got in that year. Um, I remember going to Morocco, needing to come in the, f I think, top three to actually get in. Um, and I made a, th I think I made a, 
I think it was a 10 or a 13 on my fourth hole. Oh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> There's those chances gone. The Masters gone there, yeah. Uh, I've, I went to the Masters with Matt Wallace, which was sort of a nice experience. Um, you were coaching him there? Yeah. But it's not a coaching venue. Right, it's it's not. It's a player and caddy venue, and that's it. Yeah, they don't want too many other people there, do they? Really? Nah, we got, I got kicked out the first day I was there, <laughs> which was after twenty years, right, of trying to play your way into the Masters. And the first time I get there, I got kicked out for what? <laughs> you had to say, yeah, yeah. We 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 went in as a group down the drive, uh, and Matt had gone in early. Right, he'd gone in early with to play a practice round with Nick Faldo. Yeah. Um, and they were doing the, I think they were doing the Sky Sports down. Magnolia. When was this? Um, Last year or? No, this was, was this 18 or 19. Oh, so a few years back. Yeah. Was this, I forget what year. Pre-COVID. No, Tiger's year. Tiger, the year Tiger won. 19. 19. 19, right. So, um, so they go in and then his manager, Graham, says, oh, we'll go in later. So that doesn't sound like it's going to work to me, mate. He's got the he's got the passes. He's gone, no, it'll be all right. We'll get him, we'll get him off him. So I'm like, oh, okay. So we get down the, I didn't think we'd get down the drive. We got down the drive, park the car up and we get out. So that was easier. Right. It'd be all right, yeah, it was <laughs> way easier than I thought. And course is over there. So I thought, we'll just nip out, catch him on the course, get the passes. We'll be fine. So I stepped one foot. Actually, I don't even got one foot on the grass. All the green jacket brigade, right? <laughs> and one of them was actually all right. He's, Hello, Robert. So he knew, he knew I was. I thought, Oh, here we go. Sound here. Brilliant. All right. So where's your pass? I've gone, oh, it's, it's with Matt Wallace. He's out on the course already. Um, we're going to go out and just get him off him. Oh, no. He says, oh, no, we've got a problem. I've gone, what do you mean? He Is says, he American? He was, yeah. He says, um, he says you, can't, you can't do that. I said, but you know Matt's on the course, don't you? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's with Cynic Faldo, right? He's they're they're playing. He's just got him in in his golf bag. Can you like radio yeah, to yeah. him or something? Oh no, 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 no. So they took us to little like a security hut or something, yeah, right? <laughs> and fella was like, "So what are you doing here?" I said, "I'm Matt Watch Mollis's coach. He's on the course and he's beat us out there." Oh no, okay. Please leave now. <laughs> Please, please leave now got kicked out the back gate and had to walk it back to the hotel wow. and a funny part which I've got a picture of which I should show you but me and Liam are walking around the back of the course towards where we thought this house was and we're passing this stream and I'm like I think that's I think that's Ray's Creek <laughs> <laughs> right and there was, a, there was a shopping trolley stuck in it right <laughs> Oh so that was goodness. the first, that was my first, first So did you get in the next day then? Got, in the, ne got in the next day, yeah. But, <laughs> Crikey. Uh, but you're not allowed your phone in with you as a no. coach, right? So you, you've got to just sit on the grandstand at the back of the range and just wait. Oh, really? Yeah. Because so Matt you, can't contact me. So I've just got to sit and wait for him to wave me onto the range. But you I can't really even take your phone to do videos or anything? No. no wow. So, so I, had to use, I had to use Matt's. Yeah, we did. I think I must start to use Matt's. They have a tag on the back of this. Yeah, but I, I don't think I, I don't think I did. I think I was just. I, I tend to not use camera too much these days, yeah. anyway. But, um, but yeah, that was that was an odd start. But oh it was a, goodness. but it was a frust, it was a frustrating tournament to be at as a, as a, as a golf coach and a golf pro. And I watched him 
go down. Actually sneaked onto the putting green on the 10th, which was brilliant because <laughs> it was just him, Matt and his caddy and Tiger and um, Tiger and Joe and his mate Rob on a putting green. And I went on, right, and just had a little had a little chat with his, with his mate Rob and, and watched Matt just hit a couple of putts. And then he went onto the 10th and Matt was Matt when Matt and Dave just went down the tenth on their own, and you just go at totally different angles. You go way, way right, right at the trees, miles away from the fairway. So you're probably, I don't know, must have been 50, 60 yards, and just watched him walk down to the tenth green. I thought that's that's what it's all about. Yeah, because no one else there. It was just them two. No, there's isolated spots on that golf yeah, course. It was, it was like mega 13 moment. is so isolated. Yeah, you're just down there. It's like they're just on their own. Right? Yeah. There, was no, there was no scorers. There was no hangers on. No, no nothing. No. They were just him, player and caddy going down the tenth hole. And I thought that's magic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, other events, I'm sure you've at the open or other like so many so people many, yeah, inside so the rope. Yeah. It's I like you can't. Sort of, the Ryder Cup was the worst. I went to the Ryder Cup this year. It's, honestly. I'm no exaggeration. Sometimes each match I'd like a hundred players inside the ro- or oh, yeah. hundred people, sorry, inside the ropes. Like, what are you all? What are you all doing? <laughs> well, yeah, you weren't there the last tournament, but yeah, when yeah, we chucked yeah, it down yeah. and, and, mm. and wherever. And then going back to this, this this question, what is next? What is next for Robert Rock? Um, yeah, it's it's been this year's been intro, it's been an experiment really. I played I played four little tournaments you won one didn't you i won a british par three championship yeah totally out of the blue did uh, you win one at birkdale or something one at birkdale yeah i shot 400 at birkdale which was quite nice nice um i won a pairs event with ben barham we entered the pga club pros right just did you? Uh, the pga uh, sunningdale's four but yeah pga four ball didn't you hold out from the fairway on the to win the sorry hole? yeah well i played that with sam walker and i hold a nine iron to win the match oh and then days. and then it got snowed off but that's a great event, right? I've never played it. Have you not? No. Oh, you should. Never it, play Sunningdale. I need to play Sunningdale. You never play no. Sunningdale. I did. I don't. There's this list of top 100 courses. You need to play Sunningdale. UK and uh, UK and Ireland that came out yesterday. It's not got a lot of the exclusive golf courses. It's, so it's not, you have to pay. To, you, can, you have to be able to go as a visitor, don't you? I think. So it's not got like Wentworth on and stuff yep. like that. I've 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 played out the hundred thirty five. That's not bad. Yeah, I was, I was somewhat happy, but also disappointed. I was like, <laughs> God, there's so many where's, I've not played. Where's next on the list then? Um, For you. Well, I'm off to Turkey this week. But a few courses I've already played. Yeah. Then over to America for a little while, filming with some tour pros, which yeah. I'm excited about. And then heading to Dubai. And then okay. even maybe even playing uh, Abu Dhabi, your golf course. Oh, are you? Your golf course. Have you not played that yet? I have. You have. Yeah. Uh, I've also played, I really like it, the night golf course there as well. Yeah, that's okay. It's really a nice yeah. little mm. fun course. Um, but, Next on that list, I yeah. really, 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 really that next year want to play Royal County Down. Oh, okay, like yeah. that, that's yeah, one that's cool. so far up there. Yeah, I really want to play a Dare Manor. Yes, I think just an island trip. Yeah, Royal County Down, a Dare Manor, an Old Head. Yeah, like those mm. ones. Is it Ballybunion meant to be class as well? Ballybunion. Yeah. yeah, I haven't played that. I played the old version of a Dare Manor. Right. Yeah. When the when the Irish Open was there, yeah, also they were great. When Richard Finch won it, it and yeah, fell in the water, it looks a completely, completely it insane, different place. It? Yeah, oh, it looks yeah. it looks unreal. Mm. It looks the closest to Augusta that yeah. that Europe has. Really, yeah, you should do that. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Mm. You've obviously so you're playing, you're still playing a little bit, playing a little bit. Yeah, I want to keep playing well. I want to keep my back in the pro arms with your with your six mates again. Yeah. 
I will do some poems, yeah, I think, yeah. I don't mind, I don't mind those, and I'd, I'd like to do some, but funny, like, the the lower, level, lower levels of pro golf are in a bit of a mess at the moment. Oh, well, it is? Well, all the pro golf's in a mess, to well, be honest, you look, isn't it? You look, like, at, you look at what's come out with, like, European Tour, DP World Tour, yeah. it's just a feeder tour for the PGA now, yeah. it's, like, yeah. crazy. I, I used to be so proud to say I was a European Tour member. I don't think I ever called myself a DP world player. No. I just didn't like the sound of it. It wasn't what I aspired to, and, it, and it's not really. Um, but like the Euro Pro tours finished. Yeah. Right. That was a real lifeline mm. for a lot of pros. Um, if that was still around, I would have probably played a couple of those this year because I can, I can see myself having time to do those and just drive to them and, and play. So I'd, I'd like. I'm trying. I'm trying to wait to see what comes out. Like this year, I didn't push myself to play much because I was I was driving a lot um, for David's football, and I've really enjoyed watching that. And I'm trying to learn football from trying to learn it at 47. It's hard. <laughs> I avoided it all my life, and, and now I'm trying to learn it, which is which is difficult. Um, is he bothered about golf? No, no. Broke my heart to start with, but. Um, He's putting the same effort into football that that I did to golf, so I'm just happy to watch. Yeah. Is he at a decent enough standard? Yeah, he's at he's at the he's at Chesterfield Football Club's academy. Oh, nice! Um, and they've been great. He's been there for three years. Uh, Chesterfield are doing pretty good actually in their their league at the moment. They're they're I think they're unbeaten so far this year in their oh, top wow. of the league. So if they move up into the the football league, that sort of elevates. David's Academy yeah, positioning to right. a football league academy, which would be cool. A bit um, more fun than etc. Yeah, exactly. Yes, and, and that's a that's a big part of football. Isn't of course, it, it is. Mm. Well, it's, it's like you know when you look at the money in golf, you look at the money in football. Now you look at the money in any sports. Like I do slightly worry that the top of the tree is is yeah. very, very, very much being rewarded. Yeah. Where is it? Is it being filtered down enough? To, to grassroots level I, I'm not sure if it is now you're doing something really good with your Robert Rock Junior Junior Tour yes that's that's thank you that's gone that's gone amazingly well um, I start well we started that in 2017 so Natalie Haywood who's a, a lady golf pro in Derby she's now the head pro at Rotherham Golf Club actually right. but she through a her brother's a caddy used to caddy for Danny Willett um, so she asked me if she could do a junior event for me back in back in 2017, and I always wanted to do that. But just the amount of practice I was doing, of just time, right? Because it's doing those type of things take a lot of time to do properly. Mm. So she she went from doing one event to now we've got. Last year we had 26 events, wow. a few international events. Um, we mixed with the Faldo series a bit last year. Brilliant. Um, so it's gone exceptionally well yeah and um next we just announced next year's schedule we've got some really good support from the friends i've made in in equipment companies with callaway ping Titleist. they've all sort of chipped in and helped out oh, excellent. Um, and then the places i've been to have all been pretty accommodating so i've been able to take the the kids to some pretty cool golf courses and what's the age range what's what's anything it's anything we, we started from I think last year our youngest was six, but I think it's I think we've had five year olds play all so, the way up to we had twenty one under twenty one section as well. And are these one day events? We started one days. We're now doing some three day world ranking events because I didn't realise that was what kids are after these days, right? They want world ranking mm. points. Um, 
my intention at the start was to try and bridge a bit of the gap from a driving range to competition yeah. without the need to join a club. So because I'd, I'd been the junior golf coach at a range where you'd have kids come every Saturday morning and they would, they would them and their parents would see themselves as golfers, especially non-golfing families. Like if, I think if that would have been me back in the day, I would have been going to a driving range thinking I was a golfer. Yeah. And you need some avenue to the go. pathways. Yeah, to, this isn't golf. This is just a practice facility, right? Golf is on the actual course. Yeah. So we, we created a mini tour section of that where we just put the tees down the fairway at a sensible distance. So five, six, seven-year-olds that have just started could actually enter a competition, play with their mates uh, or play with similar standard and shoot a decent score. Yeah. And then they move up from that to red tees, nine holes, Brilliant. 18 holes, all the way through. And now obviously we've extended to world world ranking events, which are more for the like your, serious, your serious lower handicappers. And, yeah. that. and we're trying to, we've kind of positioned ourselves now where we're the sort of entry part. You can move through it. And then when you get towards the top part, you're probably looking at playing in Faldo series events anyway. And then we've co-branded a few. And Nice. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, That's I'm really exciting. Proud of that. Really yeah, exciting. It's been awesome, yeah. I suppose it, it's something that probably listeners and viewers in the States get a lot of. Yes. You know, even like Charlie Woods, the tournament yeah. that he played in got recently. Loads of tours like that. Yeah, that, mm. that was that was all like short par fours. They're not they're not full holes, but it teaches them to shoot. Yeah. Or certainly someone like a Charlie Woods shooting the sixties. Because mm. they're playing par fours at a two hundred and fifty yards. Not or like seven thousand yards. Not the full the full course that he played. Or was it not? I, no, it was like a shortened version. No, all right. I think it's one of the problems having kids play golf so young now um and i noticed it quite early on doing these events that if you've got a f six or seven year old playing a a nine hole course or an 18 hole course off reds they've got to play for a long time before they can actually make a par mm. right because they're going to hit they're going to need to hit two or three shots or even four shots to reach the hole and ca have they got the patience to see that out until they're 10 or 12 yeah. before they actually make a decent score. Do so you know, we tried to fudge that forward so that you would, you'd, you'd have a par, right? And, but that isn't really done over here very much. Do you know what it ties really nicely back into? The whole start of this story, that you were really good at snooker on the little table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and as soon as you yeah. got to the big table, you yeah. found it too hard and you quit. Yeah. Yeah, that's the same yeah, with golf yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah. golf is so like yeah. sometimes so many kids love either driving range or pitch and putts or whatever yeah. chuck them on a full 18 old golf course i remember the yeah. first time i played i mean I, I i say i remember but i was 11 but i was like i don't i don't know if i fully enjoyed my first round of golf yeah. i kind of did it because i had to mm. do it it must have been a slog it's a real slog yeah. of course it is it's like, hard like, work as well really is mm. you know so like even I, I took my kids to driving range this weekend and i had quite a lot of questions about you know how, how are you getting them into it my philosophy at the moment is is take it away from them when they're having the most fun yeah so i've been going to the driving range at the moment and just taking them just haven't given them a bay each giving them yeah. 50 balls each and they'll fly through those golf balls with no time at all i'm not really giving them a great deal of instruction just little pointers that if <laughs> if they listen to me yeah. um little few little pointers using top tracer technology the go fish game etc yeah. and they'll get through those 50 balls in 30 minutes and yeah. you think that was quite a lot of money for 30 minutes yeah. but then you go right all right kids let's go yeah and they're like oh no can i that's get good. more golf balls i'm mm. like no let's go now that's hard to do isn't it really hard because yeah. they just want to hit more golf yeah, balls but i know them. if i gave them another 50 they, they'd 
they struggle. Of course end. they would. Yeah. They, 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 yeah. After 20 more, they go, I'm done now, thanks. Do you know? Yeah. So um, I think that progression is so important yeah. in, in junior golf. Robert, that has been an incredible chat. Very fun. Thank you. No, Interesting. You it, yeah. I love I loved the backstory. Um, like I said, I'm sure bits of it you've covered before, but certainly our viewers and listen, listeners would have loved listening to your story. Good luck with everything in the future. Yes. Thank you. I don't. I've got. I don't think it's the last we'll see of you in tournament. <laughs> I golf. think. I think seniors tour. <laughs> maybe your maybe. son's at university. Yeah. And you're thinking, you know what? Do you fancy a bit of seniors tour? Depends who's playing. Right, depends. Depends, depends who's paying. Yeah. Depends what <laughs> if there is a if there is a, uh, a European seniors tour at that point. Right? We just well, yeah. don't know, do we? We don't know what's going to start come. one. Rocky's tour, oh, Rocky right. Senior's nah, tour. Nah. You need to, you need to keep too many pros happy. I'm not, not so sure. That's that's easy. <laughs> You're right, keeping the kids yeah. happy with the, with the tournaments. Robert, you've been a pleasure. Uh, everyone can check you out on social media. We'll put the links down below. Yeah. Can people have an actual lesson off you, or is that? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. people can actually come and have a lesson off you if you want to. You can, yeah. If you're gonna pay the big uh-huh. money, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but come on, if you want a lesson off Robert as well, I'll put a link down in the description. Thank yeah. you very much for your time. Really appreciate it, and good luck with everything in the future. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.